Welcome to the Nerdish Boxing Podcast with me, Andy White, and with me today, a lethargic Mr. Martin Theobald. I am, I am. It's my daughter's birthday tomorrow. It's been the birthday bits today. That and I smashed a KFC because Terry's train was late, so I'm just sat here. You're like toasting away. Of all where you, wait, where, where was the KFC? Where? What do you mean where? Where is it? There's one near uh, where my son's mum lives. Ah, oh, okay. I thought you were going to tell me there's one near the station. No. no, there's not. No, no. Um, yeah, so now I've smashed that down. Now I'm just... Do you know what I mean? Someone's going to have to carry me through this. It's a full round. And I'm Mate, you're 17 fit. stone three. 17 stone. That's my cock alone. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> and that is the voice of the man who has more beef than a McDonald's warehouse. Yeah. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Terry Japandama. Hey, guys, welcome to the A-side on all of this, man. The top-tier podcast. Oh, you can we mean? not have chaos this week? No, yeah, well, there, was no there was no One chaos week. last week. There was no chaos last week. And look, I'm like, the other drones, the Americans, they're just precision strikes. Bit of collateral damage, but pretty precise. <laughs> that is the Americans all over. Bit of collateral damage. Who gives yeah. a fuck about that? Yeah. You know, it's war, war games. Japandama Technologies. Yeah, man. I just, just, see, just see these fucking I don't need war games for chaos. There's civilians dead everywhere. The black Tony Stark, just straight <laughs> Iron Manning motherfuckers. <laughs> Japandama Technologies. The li- their little quote. Yeah, you get some collateral damage. <laughs> you know. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah, it is what it is, man. But no, listen, guys. As I say, listen. However long this one goes on for. Strap in, enjoy yourselves. It's always going to be a good one. We're the best at what we do. Um, we've. I'm, I'm going to edit out all of Terry's beef this uh, this week. So there will be. We're going to have a positive week this week. Last week was very positive. Positive mixed with truth. That's about it. Nice, perfect blend. I like it. You might remember like about this cafe. Yeah. <laughs> you might remember about 25 minutes ago. I said I was going to edit out all the beef that Terry brought. <laughs> 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 we need a glitch effect in between that. Yeah. Like a dip. <laughs> um, okay, so has anybody anything to tell me that's exciting or interesting from their weekend? Nah, no. nothing at all. No, but you know, I was out at shows. You know what I like. I like to be held accountable for the things that I say. So I was out, you know. You said you weren't going to shows this year. But but look, Frank loves me. So Frank's like, Terry, man, come on. You need to go make these shows Literally legit. Literally what you said at the beginning of the year. My promise is you, fuck all shows. I'm not going to any. That's two in a few weeks. We're almost at the halfway point of the year. And we're still, That's frightening, isn't it? I still have your predictions for the year. Do you? Yeah, locked away. Dave Allen's been announced for David Price. That's the final stepping stone before he headlines his own pay-per-view. Oh, that was one of them, wasn't it? Was that yours? That was. It'd be the. Would that be the first one you actually pay for? You just going to stream that as well? I'm not paying. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be silly. <laughs> oh shit. Um, Shall we... I watched a lot of boxing over the weekend. Of which, uh, do you know, I I I. 
did but most of his life so i haven't really seen anything televised so I'll, I'll be a bit blind about that so so all the guys who get annoyed at me about stuff like that sorry but literally for the first time a frank warren show is done before midnight and then went out with shane and the guys for a few beers after then they get home that shane dyer three. Shane Dyer? Is it Shane Dyer? I don't know Shane. I don't know Shane. Oh, do you mean Shane? Shane Shane. Sugar oh, Shane. Sh- oh, right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm with you. Shane Sugar Shane. Shane. Yeah. Live show Shane. Yeah, just... Right, cool. Great. Just, just, Sugar just, Shane, just a live show. Nah, 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 nah. Just the rest of the crew, but we were out just on the lash, man. And it just... Yeah, yeah. I, I, I felt it a little bit when I woke up, when I woke up today. Well done, Shane. You nice broken. feeling. But I did, I did promise myself I wouldn't drink... Until I spoke to Denzel first. Let me speak to Denzel sober. In case someone points a camera, <laughs> camera as randomly. Yeah, but no, we'll come on to the Frank show in a sec. But yeah, you know, get it cracking, man. We're, we're here. Congratulations, Shane, on breaking Terry, though. That is an achievement. Uh, let's talk about then uh, the MTK show on Friday. And short of knowing that there was Samuel <laughs> Antwi versus Siha Osgul, I have, I have actually no knowledge. Of that. You didn't even know that until five minutes ago. That's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> I've got it. I've got it written down in front Can of I me. Can I start off? Because last time I missed a show, I sent you a voice note, and then you just fucked it off. Sometimes um, you just got to edit out the rubbish. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> All those contentious, controversial statements. We <laughs> yeah. just cut them out. We don't let them in. Sometimes I do. <laughs> <laughs> but the points that I left in that voice note stand true from the MTK show Friday night. Their production. So what voice note? <laughs> the one that you just mugged me off on last time when I wasted like four minutes of my life recording it. Unbelievable. Hope you die. <laughs> Bit of beef. You know, I, I, you know, I, I knew, I knew, a, gu- I knew a girl that laughed like that. Her name was Andrea Edwards. Like she proper laughed like Muttley, and she she's go mad when you were like, "Why'd you laugh like Muttley?" And she went ape shit. Real lump of a woman. Had a really pretty face, but real lump. Like, oh. just like a box. Like a human box. That's getting it, is it, man? It's quite a, comp- a backhanded compliment. Really pretty woman, but a human box. And laugh like Muttley. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Um, but you? yeah, going back to the show, MTK. Their production quality for a free streamed show is really good. Like, really good. The stream holds up brilliantly. And I stream a lot of boxing. I know about it since. <laughs> The stream holds up. You're our streaming correspondent. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I'm coming from downstream, right? The stream holds up really well on YouTube. Like, credit to them for that. However they're doing it. The fact... It it looks like a TV production in places. Like, it's quite low definition. Um, So when you're watching it on your TV, like, rather than on your phone, it doesn't necessarily translate very well. It's all right. It's just... it, It doesn't look great. It's not sharp. I have no idea, just sorry to cut in there, but I have no idea what no, are the not. technicalities involved in, okay, why is that the case? Do they have to pay for an upload, like an, a greater upload it's speed? Just bandwidth. No, it's bandwidth. So Which they have to pay, is that money or intake? So, so if you look at, let's say you see, like Steve Wood streams his, right? Steve Wood streams through Facebook. <clears throat> He used to do it through VIP.tv, didn't he? Yeah, and then you get a load problem. So, so on a website, you're going to get a load problem because you buy a website... And they'll normally factor in how much bandwidth you're going to need. So if you do, let's say Steve Wood does a show and he's got like a Scott Fitzgerald against a Brian Rose on his show, that will bend his infrastructure because it's not designed for like 3,000 people watching live video. There'd be 3 million watching Scott Fitzgerald now. <laughs> the people's hero. <laughs> um, he, he's epic. 
<laughs> he's just going into his local butchers, getting like a free topside joint. And he put his thumbs up and go, yeah, come to this butcher. <laughs> so, mate, I can't come to Preston just to get meat. <laughs> no, so, so, so where I felt a bit cute is you just use the, the YouTube architecture. So there's, a, they call it dynamic loading. So YouTube will go, okay, we've only got 500 people watching this. Fine, we'll give you this much bandwidth. And then when it goes to a thousand, they can react immediately to go, right, shit, we need more bandwidth. So you never lose the, you should never really lose the stream running through something like YouTube because essentially it's Google. And it's the same with Facebook. It's when you stream through other platforms that don't have that dynamic scaling. Which is fine. The, the quality like of the stream in general is fine. But the I say it's very, very low definition. It doesn't scale up to a TV particularly well. Yeah, which is, so I imagine. So if you look at the IFL portal in general, what do they? Their videos are normally three hundred and sixty p. I don't. They've improved recently a lot. I think. I don't think whether got, that's yeah. hardware. It might be their cameras have improved. I, I don't. But, know. but it's not. Yeah. So you, so if you try and rip an IFL video off TV, not recommended, guys. But if you try and rip an IFL video from YouTube, it comes down in three sixty p. Most videos are like either ten eighty or seven twenty. Some are four k. So it might be that they need to work on that setting so they can actually stream in HD. What do you stream pornos? Me, uh, mate. I, I use that VR with a 4K. No. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, the, but, but the problem... Oh, no, something's wrong. I'm the girl. I'm the girl. <laughs> Someone turn it off. <laughs> but the problem with 4K on your phone is it will stop. Right? So just when you just hit the interesting bit, you're like, oh, for fuck's sake. Then you're waiting for the interesting bit. Just, <laughs> when it, just when he's going to fix that dishwasher. Oh, it's fucking paused again. Yeah, so, yeah, you say like, oh, come on. No, no. So, yeah, the definition of the stream isn't particularly great. Um, but you have to credit them. When they started off doing it, it was like one static camera angle from a guy stood on the corner of the ring. Now they have, you know, two or three, three camera cam angles. They have a little bit of like the shoulder programming going along with it. So they have little vignettes of boxers prior to their fights, so stuff of them in the gym. Um, all these things that start to build what looks and feels a bit more like a TV product. But I think what they need to work on is the cameraman position because there were a yes. few times the cameraman was getting hit. And it's like the cameraman was so obsessed with capturing the moment, and then suddenly the action hits his corner and you just all sort of bounce and have to hold on to the ropes. Yeah, there are still improvements to be made in various aspects, but they've improved massively. And I think it's it's a credit to what they're doing. I, and I, think, I still don't get the business side of it. I don't get why you give it away for free, but that's a completely different conversation. Yeah. The one thing I don't understand about it all, when Sky is showing you a card and it starts at 8 o'clock in the evening or seven o'clock in the evening for a BT show that finishes at three o'clock in the morning, whatever. <laughs> um, when they're doing that, they're not showing you everything. So you'll have five, six fights that happen on the undercard yeah. that no one ever sees the light of day of. So lads that are in learning fights, four rounders, six rounders, ticket sellers, whatever they are, that nobody ever sees or needs to see. I don't understand the model of streaming every fight from a small hall show. Because there's an awful lot of stuff. I'm a small hall fan. I know who these people are. Even I don't give a fuck to watch some four rounder at like half six on a Friday night from your. So, so do they stream everything on Friday? Everything. They only bring in like Barry Jones and Sophia Di Stefano from I don't know, say seven eight o'clock onwards or whatever. But everything before that is streamed without. She commentary. she looks spectacular in the flesh. Like does she? Yeah, wowzers. You know, you know, on TV, you'd be like, you, you almost apply like a discount. You're like, ah, that's all makeup and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But when she's just like, when you see that full 3D effect, the walk and all of that, you're a bit like, oh, nice one. Yeah. Um, you know, but, I, I know OD had his eyes open to that one. But yeah, there's, 
there's an awful lot like if you're trying to sell this as a vision as a concept uh and i know espn plus is showing these shows over in america there is no need to be streaming all of it just show like five decent quality fights of which there were five decent quality fighters on there there was john o'donnell dan aziz the main event on it Chantel cameron i could probably find another one off the top of my head just show those i don't need to see like 10 11 12 fights for small hall show because even as a small hall boxing fan that doesn't interest me in the slightest all i can say like when i was there live it didn't feel like it dragged it was it, it did watching it oh fair enough I mean, you, you didn't have you didn't have God sat next to you though, did you? We were just we we're planning we we're planning our trip to Russia. Oh, you and Yard. Yeah, brilliant. Like you know when you just see almost like the two greatest minds in boxing together. It was like when Hulk Hogan and like, I Macho saw Yard on there. You together. weren't there. Yeah, I was. Come on, man. Like, you went next to him on a bit. I saw you. Must have been off yeah. boozing up. No, no. So eh, no, I didn't drink then because it was cash only. And I only had a card, so I didn't drink. I was sober for the whole night. I love the fact that you're cool, so old school. Like yeah. I went to New Spurs Stadium the other day. It's cashless. You cannot pay in cash anywhere. It all has to be done in card. York calls the polar opposite. Hey, brown envelope, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't don't, don't even give it to me, mate. Yeah, just go and put it on the side there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You get seven drinks for the price of six. No, but it's, but so so visually, when you see the MTK production, and I think I've seen everyone put a show on at York Hall. And and I know this sounds cheesy, but those blue lights they use make a difference. I don't know why. It's almost like there's something in the human eye that reacts well to the blue lighting. But it just, it looked really good. It looked crisp. You know, when you're watching it, you didn't feel anything got in the way of the production. You know, they did the standard, you know, that your call thing where they have to clear the runway so the fighters can walk out That Yeah, well, they clear thing. it to the left-hand side as yeah. you're looking at. A bit too much of the CO2 in that one. But, you know, I, th- I guess they're still learning. I Look. There are things to improve, no yeah. doubt whatsoever, but they've got a solid foundation to work from. As an experience, I think, I'm not going to say it's the best in terms of card, it's the most enjoyable York Hall show I've had. And I want to be really precise and drill down into why. Number one, it was good to have like, like our boxing family there. So Brooks there, Rob Martin's there. You know, it's good to have the, the small hall guys there, Pester's there, so John Harding Jr.'s there. And then it's good to have your televised guys, you know, your your guys that are known. So big Lawrence Ocoli's there. Um, what's his name? Anthony Yard's there, you know. O'Hara Davis is there. And, and you're like, and and everyone's just freely milling around. No one's harassing Anthony Yard. They're just like, look, mate, can I just grab a picture, you know, while between fights? Yeah, yeah, no worries. And Leo, Lee, Lee Eaton, what a ball of energy he is. Just here, there, and everywhere. But you can see he he loves that. He loves that whole just yeah. getting shit together. So no, I really, look, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, I'm, number one, I'm glad I finally got to see Dan as he's live in the flesh as a pro. So that was one of the reasons I did go to that show. And I was also, it, just, it, was, it was a nice experience all around. Like, you'd like to see a bit more in terms of ticket sales, but hopefully that comes with time. That's also the yeah. risk of running the yeah. stream live is that you're losing out on the ticket sales, which, as yeah. I said, that's another conversation. But for the other day. thing I found interesting, and I know you, we've talked about this before, and I know you talked about this on Ring Talk, where they can bring someone like a Stephen Ward down. Right, so London gets to see Stephen Ward. I think he might box a cruiser this time, but generally Stephen Ward's a light heavyweight. And up north, they talk about him, like why doesn't he fight a guy like Andre Sterling or whatever? You know, they're talking about him like he could fight a Craig Richards and so forth. So you can bring him down to London, get him seen, get him known. Whereas you couldn't traditionally, you couldn't because he'd have to sell tickets, right? So you're now seeing MTK now able to move some of these 
these chess pieces around and then maybe the, the longer term aim is actually we can put fights together because we've built you in different markets. Yeah, I mean, look, if, if money is... It's like the Man City approach, isn't it, almost? And money is no object. Therefore, you can bring in Kazakhs that I've never fucking heard of that are being rolled out on a York Hall show that you're assuming they haven't had to sell 100 tickets or whatever. Yes, we we, 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 we buy of Zoltan. We all buy <laughs> tickets from Zoltan. So, yeah, I mean, if ticket sales are not a, a priority for the show and you can moneyball all these people from different places to come in, then it, it's the Man City approach, and good luck to them for doing that. Which is what they've done. So, like, you know, you look at the people they've signed, like, they signed, like, some Egyptian heavyweight. Yeah, yeah. That, You know, they signed these guys, and you in your head, you're like, who the hell is this guy? And then you go and look at the profile, you're like, if he was English, he'd be televised. And you can see MTK going, we can pick up a lot of guys who can really fight, who aren't known, and then, I mean... We, like you said, money no object, we can build them. And once we build them, and once we get that bit of interest, maybe they become a commercial viability, or well, commercially viable. Yeah, and you haven't lost an awful lot for, you know, presumably what their budget is, is very small in comparison to what they're, they're going to fund these fighters with. Why, why don't we have a system in this country where you'd have thought that, like, save the Premier League, for example. The Premier League has, is an overarching sort of entity that then has a product that it sells, which is matches, which are, f- it has a, they have a lot of foreign players in it. <clears throat> MTK could be that overarching yeah. body that then presents lots of boxing matches with good foreign fighters on it, couldn't it? <clears throat> well, it seems to be at the moment, whereas boxing is only and dead set on British fighters, which seem, which that's what it seems to be. And the only time you get foreigners over is if they're either top of the tree or bottom of the tree. Yeah. So you could that could that be where it's going in the future? I or? don't know. Like boxing's quite tribal in that sense. In that the vast majority of boxing, you know, I want to see Anthony Yard beat Sergey Kovalev. Despite all the the chat we have on here about Yard, etc., I enjoy watching Kovalev. All hail. But I'd still like to see Yard go and beat him as a Brit. Because that would mean that a Brit gets to bring a world title home and hopefully we get to see him fight the elite of that division at our time. You know, at one o'clock in the morning on BT. Our time. <laughs> on a London <laughs> show. Um, so yeah, I would I would always, for whatever reason, back a British fight. Not always, that's a lie. There are certain times I won't back a British. I'd back Dusik over Bellew. But... <laughs> um, As every good human would. <laughs> But there are a lot of times when you know you just you kind of feel more attached to a British but, fighter for whatever. I don't know why. But the paradox is, I think we're a very fair country, so we know when we're seeing someone who's really good yeah. on our shores, and we always. It's like when Golovkin fought Kell Brook. We knew it was a bullshit fight, right from top to bottom. It's a but bullshit we turn fight. Up. It's Golovkin though, and we're like, we might not see Golovkin in this country again. He's a special guy. And like, remember, I remember coming here and telling you guys about how mad the weigh-in was. Yeah. And you were just like, oh, wow. And there are certain ones, like there's a, I think he's a Kazakh, I'm not sure, a guy that was on one of Steve Goodwin's shows who's from Stonebridge and he came down with like Ronald McIntosh and various others. Um, I think if you can build them from day one in, in England and if you could expose them to you know, a few hundred people that are there at York Hall at that time, then maybe you will start to get that back in and almost adopt them as British fighters so, anyway. So I've had this conversation with, with Dennis Hobson because Dennis is very much, nah, Terry, they need to sell tickets. And I'm like, that's fine. He can sell tickets. 
until he has to be good at boxing. Then it's a bit like, well, uh, what you can find these lads. There's a there's a Turkish lad. Uh, I think he's a middleweight, and he smashed the shit out of one of one of the Welsh lads. Right, I haven't seen an amateur rip to the body with such venom. And I looked at that when you could put him in a pro ring now, and no one's taking those body shots. So I said to Den, "Look, you gotta have a look at this guy." You know, Den was like, well, "But will he sell any tickets?" And I, in my head, intuitive, I went, "No." And then I I remembered I've got a lot of Turkish mates in London, and they get behind anything Turkish. So let's say see, our school sells well in London. He's Turkish. Yeah. Turks will always back their own. So I think there are these opportunities inside. And like you said, people like to back their own, right? So now start to look at the ethnic communities we have. We'll come on to one community later on, but you've got these smaller ethnic communities where you could probably sell a thousand tickets if you can get the right proposition to the right people. And that might be where we start to go from a promotional perspective. You say, actually, do you know what? Got a Nigerian lad, you know, bring him over, see if the London or the Southeast Nigerian community back him. It's worth a try. If it doesn't work, mate, off you go. So I think we're in an interesting place in terms of where you secure talent from, how you build it, and what are the economics that underpin that? See, if you if that um, Kazakhstan lad, if they if they'd brought him over and said, he's boxing out of Stonebridge Boxing Gym or whatever, then... If that was something that was was somehow, in a marketing perspective, linked to his character, then or him as a boxer, then then maybe people would be like, "Oh, sweet, he's a Kazakhstan that uh, he might be as a Kazakhstani guy, but he is he is boxed out of that gym down the road from me. I want to go and watch him." Do you know what I mean? In the same way that yeah, you try and support- anchor him to a certain place. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so why? I mean, that would be. I realised it's it's getting larger in terms of its um of its uh, organization at this point but that would be a great way to be able to have access to more talent would it not but we're getting there and now, right? you, those tickets would then sell because people but, would have some sort of connection and then we'll brexit the fuck out of it so so, so now so now look at <laughs> look at what you're seeing in the amateurs now now you're seeing the the kids of refugees starting to bubble through the system so you're starting to see you know like when we get that first Afghan boxer to really cross over, the Afghan lot will back that guy like intensely because real fighting people, they're really into that. You know, just like if you find some guys from Dagestan or Chechnya here, that community will start to back their, their guy. It's You're starting to see it in the amateurs to a certain extent, you know. So let's see, let's see how we go with that. But I think we got sidetracked. We haven't even talked about any of the fights yet. We haven't. A lot of them were knockover jobs, though, weren't they? But I just want to say, and I'm going to wax lyrical for a bit. John O'Donnell, I think, might be the best British boxer to watch. And I know, because I watched it live and I heard the Barry Jones version as well. Yes, he was getting hit. But you know when someone just accepts that they're going to get hit and not hurt? So they yeah. want to have some fun? I mean, it was such a one-sided fight that he could get hit. But... Yeah, I, I love John. I think John's a, a fantastic... I've said it when he fought Eric Ocheng. It was one of the... Like, he, he doesn't have the power to get people out of there. That's mm. John's problem throughout his career. But he's a lovely technician to watch in the ring. He, he's one of the few that ever uses that southpaw lead hand just to take jabs down and just return a jab immediately. Or there's a, So, look, anyone that's listening, go and get that fight. Just watch the third round. <clears throat> 
forget who the opponent is. Just look at the creativity that John O'Donnell has. There's a point where I think he double jabs off a southpaw stance into a right hook, into another double jab, into a right hook, all of one hand. And this guy's looking at him like, what kind of voodoo is this? And you're looking at that and you go, no one else in Britain can do that. And I watched John O'Donnell and then afterwards I watched ah, Jemani Camaro. And you can see the benefits someone like Jemani has being in the same gym as someone like John. Because John's got that courage to be slightly unconventional. Like he, you know, Andy, you'll know this being a, a musician, right? Sometimes, oh, yeah. sometimes you get, you know, the drummer likes to have a little bit of swing in his drum patterns. Just a little bit. It's not quite on the one or the two or the three. Just a little bit of swing just to give it a bit more character. Funny enough, we use that exact term. I'm not, I, I'm uh, on some of our songs, yeah. Yeah, Go just on. swing me. John O'Donnell's got that same thing. Like traditional boxing is one, two, one, two, one, two, three. John O'Donnell's kind of just off that. Like just that little, little 1% off that. So you can't necessarily read him. And you know, he's got that kind of, he'll just move when you least expect him to. There's, I don't know. If, I don't know if that that was taught to him by state of mind. I imagine there are elements of his Irish upbringing in that. There are elements of his Dale youth experience. There are elements of the Barry O'Connell stuff and Sean Earls in there as well. But it's just wonderful to watch. And sometimes you just want to watch someone. Like, look, I train guys, so sometimes I'll just watch someone and go, "I need to understand the thinking behind what he's just done there." So I'm putting it out there, state of mind, guys. I need to come and see John O'Donnell at work, man. I need to get deep into the science of of what he was doing on Friday night because there was some voodoo shit going on there. <laughs> and then... I wonder how many times you've said voodoo on this podcast because I know you brought it up before <clears throat> to explain the inexplainable. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. I'm like, what? And, he, and he's so tall and lanky as well. I'm like, how do you dip so low? Here's one of those ones where you do get frustrated thinking, you're so on top of this fight, I want you just to go for the finish. And I know he's been at the ring for a year and a bit, yeah. nearly a year and a half. And so, yeah, you can say once to get the rounds in. But it is oh. one of those ones where you think you're so dominant in this fight. I'd like you just to look, to put your foot down a little bit more. See, I, I, see you could take John O'Donnell. Like, you know, these pay-per-view cards we look at it and they're normally quite flat. And you're like, eh, whatever. You could put John O'Donnell in a four-rounder somewhere around nine o'clock, 9.30, right? Just whack him in a four-rounder. It would just re-energize the crowd. Just just watching, use another word for any, just watching the sorcery. You, know, you just <laughs> fall in love with it. Because because I think it was just after, you then had Jemani Camaro come in box. So, so you've, got, you've got all of this sorcery from all these different angles. Like, I never know. And I, and I asked the question on Friday, did Jemani do martial arts before boxing? He did kickboxing. Okay, perfect. Because I was watching that and no matter where he moves, he never loses his point of balance. Like, the way he shifts from point to it's point. It's so mental to watching the ring, isn't he? Like... It's like stalking his prey all the time. Yes. It is like someone stalking their prey, the way that he moves. Because it's often just like, he'll put his whole weight onto his left-hand side and his whole weight onto his right-hand side. And then like, everything goes with it. But he doesn't look off balance in doing it. It's bizarre. Yeah. It's, it's like, 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 like Mantis style. Yeah. Your style is unorthodox. You must hate <laughs> being the other side of the ring to him. Well, he fought He fought the lad who got an absolute gift of a decision. What's his name? Liam. Liam Wells. Yeah. And you can see in the first round, that guy's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> the first round, because <clears throat> I, I was next to Brooke, and I, I think Brooke was backing Liam. <clears throat> 
And then Jumanji just went into full like predator mode, right? Yeah. And this guy was like, you halfway through the round, he was like, I just need to get back to my corner because I don't know what the fuck this is. And he goes back to his corner. A corner just say to him, mate, what you need to do, right, is just stand off him, let him do something and counter it. And that worked for a bit. So round one, Jumanji would, you know, befuddle him. Round two, the guy would then go, right, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to stand still and hope for the best. Maybe he won't see me. Yeah. <laughs> and then maybe he will go full predator mode. Yeah. And like, if I just don't move, yeah. I'll be fine. And then in round three, he switches back to like full predators. Almost like he's figured him out again. Then round four, it was like this weird chess match. But it was just wonderful to watch. Half the time I was like, if Giovanni turns his head quick enough, he'll chin him with the dreadlocks. He's just... <laughs> it, I really wish we could find out what would happen if someone just got behind Jemani and said, mate, let's just get you properly ready. Because he'll always be an upsetter because that style's unconventional. But you'd like to see him on the other side. But I also understand his view. And when you talk to him, he's like, I just want to fight. I don't want the bollocks of having to sell. T- no, I don't want none of that. I just want to jump in there and have some fun. Yeah. But it was 17, what was it? 79, 72 or something. Horrible, horrible decision. Like, I'm not saying Jamani won it, but that was a bullshit yeah. score. It was... If anything, you're gonna give it like there's got to just be like it's got to turn on one round yeah, yeah. or so. Agreed. So yeah, it was that was so I mean high quality boxing there. We had Dan Aziz boxing. So I spoke to Dan yesterday. So luckily, the things I'm saying now are things I've said to Dan. And I said to Dan, if you could cut the gaps between your attacks, your fights would probably last three rounds tops, because I think Dan doesn't realize how hard he hits. He, he I think he does now, but he doesn't realize how soul sapping some of those punches are so something like he he had this lad hurt and the lad gave him that look of mate just stop please <laughs> just, just just stop and then dan would take a step back and i was just there going motherfucker get back in there like like when the guy showed that weakness i just wanted dan to go i'm not going to hit you to the head because you'll be all right with that i'm just gonna keep ripping to the body and then eventually the guy was just like i've got no ribs left that's you can see he's like, i've got no ribs Do you know left. what i like most about it was <laughs> When the fight was stopped, how annoyed Dan Aziz was that he, it was stopped. He did the he did the Kanye <laughs> shrug, like, Ugh. Yeah, he was so pissed off that fight well, was over. So, so this is the explanation I got. So Dan says to me, he goes, look, right? When I'm in the ring, he kept taunting me, like he's saying, you're not hurting me, you're not hurting me. And then he quit. And he's like, I was so angry that he was taunting me. And then when he quit, He's like, Dan, you know, I think Dan just wanted to carry on and just really fill him in. Yeah, I like that about him. Yeah, so... So now I'm sure over the next few days, Dan and I will talk a bit more around, you know, how you just get that that little extra intensity into it. But mate, he's going, he's going in the right direction, and he's moving at the right speed. And like I always say, it's a real lovely guy, um, approachable, always around. And like it's good to see the team Aziz thing growing. Like the guys have got the tracksuits on, the t-shirts are spreading, and I like to see that growth in the fighters' journey. Um, Tracy touching Sierra old school. Uh, not really Samuel Antwi looked a lot bigger but he didn't make the weight and see I don't like things like that where you go well I'm not going to make the weight and I don't care if I lose the belt those little bits to me are the difference between really hitting the top and not hitting the top because if your mindset is I can cut a corner here where else will that manifest itself I wish he'd made that weight even if he didn't want the belt just make that weight to show that you're fully committed to what's going on yeah agree 
Do you know, physically, <clears throat> he looked the part, though. Jesus. He looked like a middleweight by the time yeah. he was in there. Wowzers. But again, if you haven't made the weight, then... I don't know, it's only a pound we're talking. Maybe yeah, even less than Half that. a pound, I think. Um, but, yeah. Don't fight in that weight category if you can't make it. Yeah, just have the respect for the sport. This is more my Agreed. ethos. If you're, if you're killing yourself to make yeah. that weight to the point you literally can't make it, don't be in that weight category. But for me overall, look, if you're going to go to an MTK show, the Your Core one, if that's the standard that they're going to use as a baseline, then yeah, by all means, spend your money going to that. Like, you... MTK, if you're going to stream it, don't stream all of it, please. Because yeah. it also... As much as you can say, like, well, just don't bother watching it. I get that. But what if people decide this is their entry into boxing? Free boxing on YouTube. I'm going to use this as my entry. Yeah. A lot of it is fairly shit. Yeah. As per most, nearly all small hall shows, like, the first six, seven fights of them are fairly bang average. Like, nobody needs to see that. The ones that have got the better fighters on, stream them. You've got a decent product. And then also, this is another thing I like about those sorts of shows. Like, if you're a person that really wants to get into boxing, if you're a person that wants to set up interviews or whatever, instead of running around at a Warren show or a matchroom show where you're crowded out by, you know, the big four. So, IFL, Behind the Gloves, Fight Hype, Seconds Out. Instead of... (laughs) being crowded up by those guys you know you're not going to get your time with these fighters just come down to your call on an mtk show you'll get 10 minutes with pester you'll get a few minutes with anthony yard o'hara and they're more in that environment they're more willing to cooperate because i'd look i had a great chat with o'hara man like was it was great anthony yard really really good chat with him you know just chilled out took photos with everyone like rob martin's kid had a field day there you know, just watching him and his eyes lighting up because he's around people. And also just being around guys like Rob Martin, you know, Brookie, uh, Brooke's parents who are fabulous. Like, how good does her mum still look? Like, yeah. they're impressive. That's a Dave Stratfield. Yeah, what a man. yeah, yeah. What a man for one man. Yeah. <laughs> so now all those guys, and then also just being able to catch up with Coogan. So Coogs and I had a good 20-minute chat. Like, you know, we talked about certain things that we're not going to talk about on here. But yeah, really, really productive chat. So if you want if you want to be around the people you see in boxing, grab yourself a ticket to a show like an MTK show. And to be honest, even a Goodwin show, a good those sorts of shows, those small hall shows are where you will build the most productive relationships because people respect the fact that you're here. In four months, we've gone from never ever buy a show to a, a ticket to a small hall show to now being an advocate. But this is called growth and evolution, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's January. It was like yeah, nobody you... ever feed that food chain. Nobody ever put money into well, it. Well, no, because look, it was the, there was a lot of shit that was going on that I wasn't happy with, and that's all changed. But it's it's moving the right way, mm. and I think MTK are kind of forcing that agenda. And if everyone else responds in kind and says, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna try pushing things forward," then you start saying, "Okay, yeah, why not go?" But it's more nudge to the people who want to make a commercial impact in boxing. Don't chase the, the Joshua cards and try and make contacts there. There's no time. Get down here where you've got time to build a relationship. You know, like that, that's one of the few times that I've been able to have a good five, 10 minute chat with Lawrence O'Coley because normally he's so busy doing other stuff, but we managed to catch up, have a good chat just about stuff in general, reconnect, which is always nice. Uh, okay. Do you want to talk about the Warren show? On the Saturday uh, Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 it's at the, so it's at the SSC arena. 
completely sold out. Like, I think there were 40,000 people there. 40, I think there were 80,000. I think they had to put people on the roof. It was so sold out. Yeah, it was absolutely packed. Um, it was so sold out. Yeah. It wasn't just sold out. It was so sold out. Yeah. Yeah, like so solid. But no, it I was... I mean, there must have been 80 people there. No, nah, about... No, nah, it was about 15,000. Like, just 15, rocking. 15,000? rocking. Rocking. Did you yeah. go? Yeah. You could have had your own fucking tier. I don't no 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 no. You know what? Like it's one of those, isn't it? You know, every so often you gotta buy the tickets, support your guys. So went down. So I went down without a ticket and bought four at the gate off of a bloke for that fifteen quid. <laughs> no, 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 no. no, 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 no the, the Only Javon Davis fights can totally yeah, do that. Yeah, no, it's no. The rules. Yes, no, this one I had to put my hand in my pocket. So it was so I can I can talk to the bits that I know. Number one, fantastic being around all all the different groups of people I knew. Nice. It's a, Warren shows were a nice reunion of people. And I already talked about Shane and the guys, but then you want to touch on JP was there. Dan Aziz was there. Obviously, Umar was there. Andy um, had a good chat with Eddie Musket. And I just wanted Ed to... shed. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Old school guy. You know, when you like all these, like all these new jacks all trying to be like, I'm a boxing expert, but they'd ignore someone like Eddie Muscat, but he's seen everything. Edwin Muscat knows more than you, I, most other people have forgotten. Like he is, he's at every show living and breathing every Saturday mm -hmm. night and Fridays as well when there's a Friday show. Yeah. He's just there like Barry O'Connell. He's just, he's stayed there doing something. Yes. And and so another person I really respect, Martin Bowers. And I'll tell you why. I've been at amateur shows and Martin Bowers has done the corner for a three-bout novice <laughs> on a Saturday. And then you see him the following Friday and he's in the corner with God knows who. And I'm just saying to myself, he doesn't even need to do that. He's Martin Bowers. He could delegate, but he doesn't because this is what he really cares about. Do you know what one that made me laugh the most over the weekend? It was like a, what the fuck moment? <laughs> Chantel Cameron, her opponent who came from Bulgaria? Tanzania. Or was it Tanzania? I, did, I didn't watch it. I'm sure it was Tanzania. If not, it was an African country of some okay. sort. <laughs> they go and put the camera onto her. You know where like the smoke's coming up yeah. on the side? And like she stood there. She's looking a bit intense, a little bit scared, whatever. Camera pans out. Barry Smith with her. Barry Smith doing cornering a woman. <laughs> I love the fact that the camera had to pan out to get him in. <laughs> but why, why Barry Smith? Because I don't think he was doing anyone else's corner that night. But like, he was just floating around. But you could have got anyone who was already doing a corner to corner if you needed somebody. And I thought maybe he's just there as a second. Maybe he's just there like helping. Her. Yeah. He was a lead trainer in the corner. <laughs> I'd, I'd, do you know what? I, I'd have asked for Sean Earls or for Barry. I'd have known Barry Smith for numerous years and like... Barry makes me chuckle. He's funny, but like the times that he'll sit there and talk, and you're like, he's so cockney. Sometimes I haven't got a clue what he's saying. You think this poor Tanzanian girl who's probably flown over that afternoon <laughs> is met by cockney Barry doing that. So what, 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 you what the do? fuck is he doing there? It's so weird. There must have been a logical reason, but I can't fathom what it was. But I wonder how. On the side, I wonder how Chantal, like the Chantal Cameron thing. All feels a bit weird to me because you go from, and I know that there were, there were questions around, do you get enough of Shane McGuigan's time? But you go from essentially being on a proper televised network in a reasonably sized arena with Shane McGuigan in your corner to kind of what you had now. And shouts out to, you know, I, I like, like guys like Travis, 
but that you're facing the same problem because Travis and Jamie Moore also have yeah. challenges too. So, uh, you know, good luck to her and hopefully, you know, she finds happiness and she gets to do have the career she wants because I think people forget, you know, Chantel Cameron, I remember watching her boxing in like 2009, 2010. She's not new to this and she's not, she's not old by any stretch of the imagination. She's from the Amanda Coulson, Rebecca Donnelly era. So she's been from that era, the Lisa Whiteside, Nicola Adams coming up era. Wasn't she a kickboxer for quite a while? Uh, maybe as a kid, but she's been, in, she's been in the amateur boxing system for, for years. Yeah. Boxing in tournaments. Like in, she's been... I, I just love watching Chantel. Yeah. Like, there aren't that many female boxers I enjoy watching, really. Chantel Cameron, I do. Yeah, like she, I said, she's vicious. Yeah, which is a good quality to. I just think it's an enjoyable quality to have. You'd want to give her three rounds, and she'd be getting people out of there. A three-minute round, sorry. Back um, to the Warren show. Yeah, so Warren show, <laughs> it was sold out. Yeah, it was, eighty thousand yeah, people. It was, it was sold out. Like they weren't even letting Frank come in. It was that. They packed. almost had to move it to the stadium. Uh, yeah, but Tottenham have left it in such a mess that they're still fumigating and trying to clean that shit out. <laughs> Fumigating. Are they? That's the smell of success. <laughs> really? Where's the silverware? Champions League. Oh, fucking hell. So this captain fourth place celebration. Hey, right man. Like, Fuck about. When we go to Wembley, you we come back. not no, to no, get no. fourth place this year. No, no, no. But, no, but when we go to Wembley, we come back with silverware. Yeah. We come back with silverware. We're going to do it every week. Did we get the, we beat Southampton at home trophy? Oh, come on. Unbelievable. Man. You know. That's the kind of intelligent debate we changed the podcast yeah. for. That's why. That, do you know what? That's. <laughs> That's how Spurs got the stadium built and completed. They said, look, don't bother with the trophy cabinet. It's not worth the expense. It'll be another six months if we have to put that in. Don't worry, lads. (laughs) (laughs) We'll skip that. It's a billion over budget. Keep it. So, 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 number one, that show, it started too early. So you miss out on all the guys like Archie Sharp and so forth. I even missed the Umar fight because I was running late, which was disappointing. But yeah, you're like, bloody how early do you want to start a show? What time did it start? I'm guessing about 4.30. Yeah. I mean, you barely finished your lunch. That's like a Joshua at Wembley card. Yeah, it was a really, really long card. So I won't bother people with all of the, the minutiae of it. I think just the key things in terms of the things people would have seen. Lerone Richards gets a reception from the crowd that is so out of sync with how many tickets he can sell. And it's this weird conundrum that we were battling with in the audience where you're like, as in he sold a lot of tickets? No, doesn't sell many tickets. But by the end of the fight, everyone's up on their feet clapping for him because he's he's just basically made Tommy Langford look like a raw novice. Yep. So then you look at it and you go, what do you do with Lerone Richards now? He's, he's clearly British level, maybe even above British level. But have you got the... Will Frank put his hand in his pocket to give him a super middleweight that will really validate his talent. I sat and watch it, just think, just Zach Chelly, Lerone Richards. I'd be all right with that. I wouldn't be angry with that at all. I just, I think he's a lot better than Zach. I think he'd... he'd I wouldn't necessarily disagree, but yeah. you've got these two super middleweights. Zach Chelly won the Southern area last night. Yeah. Fairly comprehensive fashion, but couldn't really put a massive dent into Jimmy Smith. I know he dropped him, but he couldn't couldn't step on it. Lerone Richards, I think it'd be quite a good style clash. I think Lerone Richards wins it, and I think he wins it on points fairly easily. But 
I wouldn't be angry with that fight at all for if they could sign that off for an English or British or whatever they, you know, WBO European probably. Because um, who else is there at that weight? It's quite it's quite barren now, isn't it? There's not a huge pool of talent around for it. But he could even look look at Larone's frame. He could do 175. He's massive, isn't he? He's just so he's like a stingray, isn't he? Just so wide and muscular with yeah. it, real muscular. Just what, yeah, you know, he looks like he should be wiping people off the face of the earth. I don't know why he isn't, but no, it was an enjoyable fight. Love his kit, though. Love the 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 yellow, the yellow and black. As much as I might be okay with his kit, him and Tommy Langford's kit against one another, because Tommy Langford then had the West Brom yellow and green, was it? Yeah. So you had the yellow and green horizontal with Langford and the yellow and black vertical of uh richards fuck me they clash yeah but there was a black guy and a white guy no i know that but just like <laughs> just this color merging on my screen like oh my stream nearly stopped at times it was ill oh, I see. so you want to pay for these things i don't well, pay for it i was trying to think just, i pay my IPTV tv provider <laughs> it was also it was also good to see because i think I, I got to caught up with eddie lamb two twice in two days which is rare so good to see you know friday eddie's got james hawley who's at that kind of burgeoning, like the start of his career. And then Saturday, you see Lerone winning another belt and Eddie's lead cornerman for that. And I'm just happy for Eddie Lamb, like one of the nicest people in boxing. You know, like in boxing, if you ever have like a big brother, mine are probably him and Mark Rygate, just guys that when I feel up against it, boxing-wise, I'll just go and talk to. So I'm really happy that, you know, Eddie's building that, that legacy for himself. You know, and it's not you know, just another tip in the hat for the Lodge Mafia, man, because Kelvin Travis was, not Kelvin, shit, Nigel Travis was there on Friday with Chantal Cameron and on Saturday, oh, who did he have on Saturday? Jack Cattrall? Yeah. Uh, which leads us on, I think we need to probably touch on Oliver Harrison. Yep. Quickly. Uh, so 59 years old, passes away after a lengthy struggle with illness. It's... It's a tough one to take. I've met Oliver Harrison twice in my life and I left both experiences really liking him. Although I just still remember him for the fallout from the Amir Khan thing. <laughs> I think I think that kind of encapsulates Oliver Harrison, just that kind of sort of thing where, you know, he's so deeply invested in his fighters that when, when he gets edged out, it really hurts him and it takes him a while to go, oh, okay, we're, we're fine again. I was listening... Um to the TKO podcast, the Carl Frampton and Chris Lloyd one the other day, and they had Martin Murray on it. Really enjoyable. If anyone gets the time, listen to those podcasts. They're really, really good. Yeah, ours and theirs. Yeah, Chris Lloyd and Carl Frampton do a fantastic job on it. Um, they had Martin Murray on, and they were talking. This was from a couple of weeks back. I'm a couple of weeks behind. But they were asking him about Oliver Harrison and how is he. And Martin Murray just kind of says, look, he's, he's a very quiet, very independent, very personable person like he doesn't shout his business from the rooftops but said you know look he's he's okay he's in a place where he's okay with himself and I think the last few months of Oliver Harrison's life probably encapsulate what people who know him very well say about him that it's very dignified way of exiting this planet um and a very you know nobody has a bad word about him and it's it's all love from people and I think it's great that Jamie Moore's got the wins over the weekend um, you know, coming out of that area from that that stable, yeah. Um, and I've I've only met Oliver twice at York Hall. Um, very brief, so I can't really give a character assessment other than he was very nice. But I, the one thing I'll always remember, he had 
a female coach that was there working with him. And it's the only, one of the few times I've seen a female coach work in corners. It's just quite rare. But he had her there as like his apprentice almost, I think. And I can't remember her name. For the life of me, I can't remember it. Um, but I, I always remember watching the way that Oliver used to like apprentice her through it. Um, but he never spoke out of turn. He always was respectful to, if she wanted him to give an opinion, he would he wouldn't speak over the top of what she wanted. And I just, I remember watching that and I remember thinking like, I don't think there are that many male coaches in the country that would allow that dynamic to happen in that respectful way. Mm. And I'll always remember watching that. And it was quite, well, that, that's one of the, the, the few live memories that I have of Oliver Harrison. It, it was a fantastic one. He's he just a class act and could actually train fighters. Now, I think there are a lot of guys in boxing who get fighters because of reputation and relationship and kind of conspire to fuck their careers up. Oliver Harrison could take a kid from nothing, never had a fight in his life, turn him into a champion. He's got that thing, I, I, I joke about it sometimes, but I say it was serious. He's got that Chris Smedley thing as well of, you can give them anyone from zero or 55 and they can build on that. And that's a rare quality to have in a trainer. So he's a massive loss to the Northwest boxing scene because I don't think, because obviously people know the natural rivalry between him and Gallagher, right? But if you said to me, who was the better trainer, him or Gallagher? I'd say Oliver Harrison for creating fighters, even if Gallagher has more belts. But I think Gallagher was more political, whereas Oliver Harrison was just the guy who said, I just want to create people who box in the way that I'd like to watch. Okay, so let's dive deeper into the Warren show. Jack Cattrall, you wanted to talk about Martin. Yeah, what a fucking pointless... The whole card was pointless. It was shit. I don't give a fuck oh, what anyone it says. Was it was shit. amazing. Those 80,000 people must have been very yeah, disappointed. I know. No, everyone had a good time because you remember, like Wembley Arena, you can drink at your seats. So it's just a good night out. So look, I enjoyed watching Lerone Richards against Langford. I thought that was okay. But... Frank Warren has done nothing with Lerone Richards up to this point. He's had him on like a dinner show fighting for WBO European. He was meant to be fighting on the Ruskul, I think. He's done nothing with him up to this point. Tommy Langford he had, and then he's just allowed to like... He fought Jason Wellborn off TV on a black country promotion yeah. uh, twice. And then he's fought somewhere else in Walsall. He's had these people and then let them go and do other things. So don't bring them back as like a co-main event when you haven't given me a reason to care about them in the past. Because when I'm watching it, I don't believe in these fighters because you've not given me a reason to believe in these fighters. You've not given me a reason to think that these lads should be co-headlining a show. Even though I've no doubt whatsoever Lerone Richards has the talent to do that. Tommy Langford, I'm, I'm not convinced about. You know, He had a, a bit of a gift of getting the British title and then lost it to Jason Wellborn, which... Yeah, um, but you can't give me a TV show. You can't give me BT standard TV shows that have that as the second highest fight. You can't give me the BT TV shows if Sonny Edwards fighting some motherfucker I've never heard of. Like, Sonny Edwards is a decent little talent, but what is the point in that fight? Jack Cattrall, you're telling me that he's meant to be fighting Morris Hooker next for world title, and you've rolled out this Spaniard that... He stops in like three rounds. It's a, a punch bag for Jack Cattrall. You can't give me this as BT standard. It was shit. Do you know what? So, so we, we, I had a theory on this. I think this is one of those washout shows where 
you've got lads on the undercard, the early fighters, who can shift tickets and they almost subsidize the guys you've got who are talented but don't shift tickets. So it's, it's hard, isn't it? If you don't have pay-per-view stars to anchor your brand, which yeah, I think with ESPN gets harder for Frank. So Lerone Richards, you need someone to subsidize him. He, yeah. The economics don't work otherwise. I'd say you're probably at the same point with Sonny Edwards, where you need the economics to make sense. I don't know if he shifts tickets or not. Yeah, so, I have so no he, idea. So he's got to come up under someone that does. I think this was that time where if we don't get these guys out, we're going to struggle at some point. But if you look at that stable of fighters, granted, you know, if we're going to say Frampton and Fury have now gone, essentially, they're ESPN fighters rather than Warren fighters. You're then looking at what? You've got Warrington. If he wins, he's he's top rank as well, isn't he? It probably. I'm just trying to think, who else have you got as headline names that can prop up that stable at the moment? You don't. It's Dubois, Dubois and Joyce. Joyce. But Yard. Joyce is kind of... Yeah. O'Hara? No. Come on. Man. He lost to Jack Catron, not having it. Like, who are your, your main event, your, your headline fighters, the ones that are going to draw people either to the arena or to the channel? There's really not anyone. Now... Matchroom have the same... I think boxing Matchroom, has the yeah, same yeah. problem. I'm not saying they're isolated in this. It's a, a British boxing problem at the moment. That actually, if you give me those people to anchor your entire TV product of how many shows per year you've got to put on, it's not good enough. Like, I'm not even sure what the answer is. I'm coming up with a criticism. I don't know what the answer the is. The answer is more Chelly versus Sadiqs. Yeah. Yeah. Just start putting guys in where it's like, look, let's just find out which one of you is any good. Dubois Joyce. Gorman, get Huey Fury. Get him from... Wherever. I know he's not going to fight Huey Fury because they're, they're old mates, I believe. So, okay, Probably split him up. Put, yeah, I think they actually maybe. Um, so, okay, let's have Gorman Joyce and Dubois Huey Fury. Mm. Sign Huey Fury. You've got these three blossoming heavyweights now. Joe Joyce has signed with them. So, you've got Joe Joyce, Daniel Dubois, um, Nathan Gorman. Sign the fourth one up. Huey Fury's doing nothing at the moment. He's fighting a Victoria Warehouse in Manchester on a Channel 5 show in a few weeks. Just get him. Get why, him on Why has he sort of disappeared? Yeah. I don't know. He no, lost that well, Pulev fight, and then well, what? Yeah. Typical, Hennessy haven't typical really, Hennessy, right? Hennessy haven't got a platform, have they really? Like, I think that fight's on Channel 5, but I don't know. It could be on YouTube pay-per-view again. Look, I, I wonder I, if that's literally verbatim what they've told Fury. Like, when's my next fight? Uh, I think your fight's on Channel Five, but it might it could be on YouTube. Don't but, put the well, no, but, but no, but I think I think I, I think the Furies have just said we're sticking by Mick. I don't understand it, but loyalty is a big thing in the traveler community, so I respect that. Yeah, I, I respect but, that, but it's not helping. Yeah, but shouldn't Hennessy respect that enough to do something? Hennessy, he or, when, or release them from that. When Tyson Fury went to Frank initially, Hennessy was kind of on the table with him, like talking about the deal. Do that with Huey Fury. Give him that opportunity to put four of them together. You also, like, you could sign David Price. And I know David Price has been on a lot of matchroom shows, but I don't believe he's a matchroom fighter. You could get David Price in there. I know it's announced today he's fighting Dave Allen, so take that off the table for now. But if you took those five, if you added David Price into that, you block Eddie Hearn's domestic heavyweights. You've got Dave Allen sat there on his own at that point. This is a kind of thinking that I think is lacking in that if you did that if you did that move and you built that domestic heavyweight scene in-house in stable you've got 12 months worth of programming with natural headliners built already heavyweights that people want to see in fights that people want to see but instead we get fucking Richard Larty brought over 
on what 12 hours notice because he didn't get his visa sorted and he, the fight was off on Friday and then it was back on Richard Larty. Um, if it was that quick, you'd expect him to be an espresso. <laughs> Absolutely. And at this point, everyone's now just turned off. Yeah. <laughs> If people were having oh, sex. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If they were tuning in for your fucking vitriol spitting to fucking <laughs> shit last week. I think they might have stuck around for a shit joke. Hey, what did that, what did that do for the numbers, huh? Uh, <laughs> if people were having sex, listen to this. I've just like, the man's lost his heart on now because of your <laughs> terrible joke. I love so, the fact that your two voices, which are the most predominant ones, keeps him solid. Solid. He's inter- probably come five times <laughs> listening to this. It's only been going like 50 minutes. It's like, oh, Richard Latte. He's like, oh yeah, come on, Martin. Come on, tell me about Richard Latte. Espresso. Fuck! Anyway, Why did he ruin it for me? Richard Latte is the oldest 28-year-old you're ever going to see, by the way. Like, no wonder his visa got declined. For me, that's not your passport. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is no way. No way. He's like... We've seen what passport checks can be like. Do you know what? I tell you what would be a good fight, and I know we're gonna come on to the Dubois fight. I'd like to see Larty v Shannon Briggs. Yeah, Larty was fun. I've got no like that fight was okay last night. Dubois Larty, and but I would still rather see Dubois versus these domestic rivals. But Larty came and brought it. Like when they were f- just stood literally like toe to toe on the ropes, and you think Larty's fucked here because he's taken like three or four big punches off Dubois, but he's just covered up. And he's got his hands up by his face, takes him, and you're like, oh, no, he looks in trouble. He looks in trouble. Wallop! He just throws out of there, throws his way out. He did it about three or four times. Like, that's fun. He, he's, he's announced himself as a guy that you can put in with a heavyweight and you'll watch it. Yeah. And, and another thing I did like about that, I like watching two heavyweights that look the part. Yeah. That looked like two big men going at it. Not, look, not, not a fat so, pudding. So what I would like is he what they hoped Takam would be? Uh, uh, Takam fights. Takam. Uh, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Like Joshua's a level above Dubois at the moment, so he was always going to beat up Takam a bit. Um, Dubois probably a level. Wait, well, was a level above well, Larty, but Larty still came to fight. I wouldn't be angry if I saw Larty versus Nathan Gorman in the future. Yeah. I just don't want to see. It. I want to see those domestic ones yeah. get together and fight. They asked Warren afterwards on the ringside interview about has he got options on Larty, and he was like, "Well, you know, we might use him to benchmark some of the other heavyweights. Just fucking put those heavyweights together. There is there well, is such a there is such a gap at the moment. Such we've just mentioned it. It's not just Warren's stable that have got this problem. Matchroom have got this problem. And there's a dearth of quality Saturday night boxing on TV. So I think you can fill that. You can fill that void by putting these heavyweights together as the headline fights. No one's really going to be that arse what's underneath it. If you've got Dubois versus Gorman, if you've got yeah. Dubois versus Joyce, everyone's going to go, right, that's quality. Yeah, you, I've watched that. You can roll thing. out Jack Cattrall versus unknown yeah. Spaniard number four. Like, I'm not really that bothered about that. Put a Southern area fight on, like Chelly versus Smith, Chelly versus Sadiq, whatever you want to do there. But as long as you've got that main event headline that the fans will buy into, the rest of it like, is almost have, irrelevant. Well, no, no, right. no, no, when no, they have t- two lukewarm fights and then they try and run that as a, like, yeah, a headline. Because you know in July you're going to get Gorman versus Richard Larty and Dubois versus someone else. When actually you just want to see those two... So, so, so I think here's the problem. And, <laughs> Marinade. And, and, so what no, I was saying. <laughs> but, but as fans, we, we, we kind of hang ourselves as well because we, we, we see a guy 
we go, ah, oh, I don't know who that guy is. Oh shit, now I've got to build him so I can have him as a headliner. So now I've got to wait. You've signed him. Now I've got to wait three fights to get excited, right? And then you then go to the other extreme of, oh, this guy's really good. I want him to go to 100 miles an hour. And you never really quite get the thing that says, do you know what? Let's just make fan-friendly fights. Because fans, and if you look, if you look, if you look at the conversation that happens around boxing, you know, you're all trying to one-up each other. Actually, look, just put two guys together who make entertaining fights. One of the questions is, who asked me this? And they said, top five fights you'd like to see this year. And I just said, Victor Ortiz, Brandon Rios means nothing at 147 that fight means nothing but it's two men that legitimately dislike each other have been rivals since they were kids and have declined enough that the fight's even you put those guys in there for eight rounds and you'll get fight of the year uh, but i think the most important overarching point that you're making there is you want to see a fight mean something and that is what we don't see enough of in boxing at the moment. And a fight can mean something through personal gripe. A fight can mean something because of titles on the line. A fight can mean something because of the perceived ability of the boxers yeah. or the track record of the boxers. And you just don't see it because for some bizarre reason, all of those things seem to be reasons to keep those fighters apart. And, and, and the economics of boxing suggests that's the case. And as long as fans keep buying it up, that's what's going to happen. So I watched Dubois yesterday and I saw him get rid of Lati and I'll be honest with you, relatively easily, yeah? It was an easy fight for Daniel Dubois. He, he was allowed to get careless because Lati wasn't that experienced to pick him off and I had to watch the fight back today and I looked at that and I went, I'd put Daniel Dubois back in the workshop. There's a lot of things he still needs to refine. He doesn't move his head and because he doesn't move his head, he's vulnerable to guys that just swing for the fences. You know, at some point, we need to teach our big men how to manage that distance. He did it a couple of times where he'd attack, step back, and the shot would miss. But you need more variety because sometimes you've got to stay in the pocket on a guy when you've got him hurt, especially. So I think there's a lot to work on. And this is the, the debate Shane and I had last night. And it's, do you put him in with Joyce? So last night, I thought, yes, you do. Tonight, I'm now going to agree and say Shane was right. Probably want to swerve the Joyce fight for now because there's a lot that he needs to work on. So do I want to see him against Gorman? No, and here's why. I want both those guys to be the best versions of themselves they can be and they both have things to work on. So maybe give Dubois a fight where he can work on head movement, where he can work on being patient and controlling a fight and do the same with Gorman. And when we see the improvements, then go, right, you two need to go at it. But if we keep rushing for these fights, we'll get them. But they'll be they'll be really, really bad. And then we'll complain that, oh, that was dog shit. That wasn't pay-per-view worthy or that should never have headlined. So I think we need to build these guys up. Like, what's Gorman? 22, 23? Dubois 21 going on 22? Where's the rush? Like, at these same ages, like, Lennox hadn't even won the Olympics yet. So we, we need that sense of perspective when we think about what we're doing with our heavyweights. It's not their fault that, you know, we haven't been building stars for a long time or the ones we thought would be stars just haven't stepped up. Which is fine, but without doing any of that, you just end up with dog shit shows. Well, then that's what you're... I don't think there's any shame in having those wilderness years. Like, boxing's cyclical. That's cool. As long as we accept that shows are going to be dog shit for a few years. How long are these cycles? Because 2017 was the, was the last time we had a really good year. But look how long it took for all of those elements to come together. 
How long is it? That's the question I'm asking. We we might be looking at 2020, 20, probably 2021, where we have a year where we're like, oh, it's all going to happen now. Great. So basically, you're looking at a four-year cycle. Honestly, boxing's wank at the moment. I'm losing yeah. interest in it. <laughs> Yeah, but, and you're not even a casual like me. Imagine how hard it is. I, no, I know, I know. Like I'm genuinely. <laughs> but, 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 but but you know the highlight. The point but, I made but, earlier about Joshua note, on a Dubois note. The highlight was um, caught up with with Daniel's dad, and we we're talking, and I was like, "So how was Daniel getting on in in New York with with Jarrell?" And like he's he he's got really key tells when i know something serious happens so he gave me a look <laughs> and he started to chuckle and he goes terry you know what daniel's like so i think you know what happened to jerrell miller and i was like did he hit the canvas so like, i can't say okay so i was like okay so you we know dubois put hands on miller and like he's what i like about daniel dubois is he's got the thing you can't train that seek and destroy mentality you don't have to explain to him that he's got to take someone out. That's what he wants to do. You've got to give him the tools and the science so he can knit together the various elements destructively. And that's what I'm looking forward to seeing in terms of the evolution. But I did notice that, if you notice, they started to back away from that Joyce versus Dubois fight where you know, Joe was like, eh, you know, go look at my options, see what I'm going to do. And they started to kind of back away from those two clashing anytime soon. So I, I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah, so what I was uh, going back to that point about the boxing being wank and and uh, talking about the point I made earlier in regards to fights that could be made. In terms of, uh, um, we've probably gone over this before, but in terms of Joshua, fights I'd like to see made because of titles, Wilder. Fights I'd like to be made because of a perceived ability of the boxers and how good the fight would be, Fury. Fights that I'd like to see because there might be opponent, a personal gripe involved. White. Now, I'm not advocating for a great fight with White. It would be one of the lowest on my list, but White. Sorry, in amongst the Fury, with the Fury perceived boxers, I'd watch Usyk fight Joshua right now. Uh, <clears throat> again, it wouldn't be a tough my list of choices. Any of those fights will do, and <laughs> you're not going to get them. You don't get them for Fury, you don't get them for Wilder, or you do, we've got Fury Wilder, brilliant. But then, oh, it turns out to be brilliant. Well, I won't do that again. Whew. Well, do you know, so it's interesting, like when you go back through people's records, like people we consider to be great and they had great fights, there's a lot of shit on there where you're like, they're lucky Twitter wasn't around. Because everyone will get slaughtered because just in a boxer's career, you have the test, right? You have a fight here. And let's say you put Dubois in with Joyce. That's a test. And you're probably winning that more on who you are than what you're capable of, right? So after that, you've got to bring him back down because it's like, well, there's a lot of stuff we've got to work on. So we've got to get someone that enables that. And then you're going to have another test further down the line. So no one, it's rare that you go from test to test to test to test until you're right at the top like Floyd is when you're just cashing out. So in these development eras, you're just going to go through that that cycle of peaks and troughs. And we just have to make our peace with it. What is the peak age for heavyweight? Uh, it's, it's a mileage thing, not an age thing. Like Tyson was, pro pro Tyson probably peaked by 89. Which made him what? 23. Lennox, I mean, and Lennox is an older guy. And Lennox didn't peak till the mid to late 90s. Which would have made him uh, mid-30s. Mid-30s. 
So, so, so it's it's. We haven't really talked about it. To be yeah. <laughs> well, there's not much to touch on. Like it was, just, it was one of those cards. Like it's a trade card. Like people in the sport, you know, you get to have a little reunion, a few drinks, catch up. You know, I tell you who did impress me in terms of audience. There's a guy called Hamza Shiraz who seems to just shift a shitload of tickets, and he might have basically bankrolled that whole show. So fair play to him. Denzel Bentley got the points win. Um, good to catch up with Denzel. Was he the black Golovkin? Yes. So he wasn't very Golovkin like this time, but I think once the guy felt the power, the adrenaline kicked in and he was just in survival mode. So I had a really good chat with him. Got a lot of time for for Denzel. And he might, in terms of like the, the women he brings to shows, he might have the most attractive group of women around him. I was very impressed. Like, wow. That whole squad was solid as a rock. And then obviously Umar was there. I mean, I do like the the top box of Sadiq Blazers. I, I like the, that's a nice innovative way to, to brand where everyone's just got the, the Blazers and, it, you know, look like they just come from Henley Regatta. So I did like that. I was, you know, that was impressive. Uh, knocked this guy three down three times, quit on his stool. So that's Umar back in the game. I spoke to him briefly. He wants to test himself again. So I don't know what that looks like, but congratulations to him. And I'm really, I'm happy for him because I remember what he was like after the defeat. And now I see how he's rebuilt and he's, his life just seems in a far better place. So I'm really happy for, for what he's gone on to do and long may it continue. And more importantly, like if ever you want a manager who's any good, get someone like his manager, Andy. Like, fuck me. A guy that's looking at all the details, man. That's, that's, that's highly impressive. So yeah, fair play to the guy. And he's got a board license. I didn't realise that about Andy. It's a fair play to him. Was well, the manager? I believe so. That's what he told me. I'm taking it at face value. So fit on him. Fair play. But that was a brilliant piss on stab, by the way. That's an eight out of ten piss. I've drunk a lot of coffee today, so that Okay. Can you clarify what makes what, a the good piss? piss and clarify what makes the a bad piss. piss. You know you just really need a piss. I <laughs> really need a piss. But yet there was a, a good margin for improvement there. It wasn't 20%? perfect. I missed a lot of the toilet. So. <laughs> it wasn't perfect. You, well, you pissed all over my floor. I don't well, I'll let you find out. It's not my issue now, is it? Yeah. You can't DNA test that. I'm a- <laughs> it's just pure coffee. Right. You seem more animated talking about your best than you do more on show. So should we move on to the World Boxing Super Series? So I didn't watch it. So I can sit back at this point. Like I've I completely lost interest in it. A while ago. So World I'll Boxing just, Super Series, super lightweight, featherweight, I flip-flop watched, edition. No, uh, Prograve Killick. Killick this morning. Um, is the only one I watched. Danair was fighting against some last-minute standing because Zelani Tete, as soon as the World Boxing Super Series ended up going on to Sky, Zelani Tete got injured. Make of that what you will. I'm not implying anything, anything at all. Can I Can I ask, sir, just direct, has there ever been a fight where there's two big... F- like two decent fighters, one's pulled out beforehand, they've put a replacement in, and then the, so that's the B fire, and the A fire last minute's got replaced by somebody else, and you've watched two... <laughs> two people that were never meant to be there in the first place. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there has, and not that long ago. Yeah. Uh, wasn't no. it Freddie Kawit against Jumani Camiro on the Hay Show? Yes. Channel- like, neither of those two were meant to be in that fight, I think. <laughs> it was... 
It was meant to be two different people. And then Kiwit got bought in last minute during the week to right. be the opponent. And then the first opponent, like the, the first A-side fighter, like last minute, he got pulled. Who was the guy that got beaten by Surgeon Bombo when he was slightly overweight? So it was Samuka. Yeah, Tamuka Mooch. I'm sure he was meant to be on it. I'm sure. <laughs> and then like last minute, he got pulled out. And so Jamani Kamiro ended up fighting Freddie Kawit in a fight that was never meant to happen in the first <laughs> place. I'm sure that scenario happened. Oh, um, good knowledge. But actually, so, the only thing I know about this this card, man, shouts out to Melissa Hernandez. How the hell I know Melissa Hernandez? Long story in New York, boxing. But completely lost track of her till it turned out she was I think I just got like a Facebook update that she was boxing on this show so happy that she's one absolute animal in the ring like five foot two boxing at 140 pounds <laughs> wow wow yeah got okay. hands got hands so Sky have picked up the World Boxing Super Series I suppose we'll touch on this first is that an Eddie Hearn decision or an Adam Smith decision? Barney Francis, I imagine. Yeah, I'd imagine Adam Smith slash Barney Francis. In that, if you aren't going to provide a high level of quality on Saturday fight nights, then, Terry, what are you doing? Well, Martin, like, super oh, casual. Oh, God, one. he's moved into uh, Andy's seat. Nah, 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 it doesn't feel the same here. <laughs> it's the wrong dynamics. Yeah. You think Shui's all wrong, man? Yeah, no, no. Um, too nice in that seat. Yeah, so is it a nod to the fact that the Sky product, as we know it, hasn't been good enough, so Sky have picked it up at this point? I had a feeling this would happen the other week when on the O2 card, Josh Taylor was shown in the crowd quite a lot and they gave us the resume of Josh Taylor as he was sat there and I thought, this isn't like Sky to focus on somebody else's fighter and give us the build-up. And sure enough, they end up with it. Um, didn't see the Anita Denaire fight, but... Like, Denia Denaire has just fluked his way to the final, isn't he? Like, yeah. Ryan Burnett ends up injured. <laughs> and so Denaire goes through by default almost. And then Zolane Tete pulls out injured, so they get the, the last Young minute. Or he was. Yeah, yeah, like replacement in Tete. Uh, sorry, Denaire beats him. So he's ended up in a final. <laughs> he probably doesn't even want to be in, but that's amazing for him. Well, yeah, considering he was like 100, what, 122, 126, and he's come down. He's come down in late in age. After the Frampton loss. Yeah. So he's gone back. <laughs> like, fair play to him. Because he's going to get a decent payday out of that. Um, but yeah, the, the one fight I did see was Relic Progre. Progre is an animal. I love watching Progre. But let's not get carried away. Relic is the same Relic who got beaten by Ricky Burns not all that long ago. So... Yes, Progre walked all over him. He walked all over Terry Flanagan. Are they the two most legitimate wins that you can have at that weight? No, but you know, if he either gets Josh Taylor or Barancic, they're legitimate fights. Yeah. Josh Taylor more so, and hopefully, you know, we get to see that. But Progre's lovely to watch because he's he's just got that movement that he doesn't have to do a lot. But what he does is very effective. So it's all upper body movement. So, you know, you're watching Relic just throwing punches at pure air for like a lot of the fight. Um, and Progray just bounces in, attacks, does what he wants at a southpaw, has his own way with Relic all the way through. And his corner pulled him out of it eventually. Like, it was nice to see a corner that, that had a sympathy with their fighter that you're getting beaten up. You're not going to win this fight. 
There's no point seeing this continue any further. But Progre is a bad bastard. And I love the fact in his interview afterwards, I don't know if you've seen that, but no. he's like, we're going to go and do this shit. We're just going to go and party. We're like, we're going out now. Like, I will fight anyone in this division, but right now we're going out to party. Like, but it's, it's, that was in New Orleans, wasn't it? Like his hometown. Do you I think, think so? Yeah. Fair play to him. Like, I like people like that. Like Crawford's like that in Omaha. I like people who are big characters locally. Because Chuck Liddell used to do that after the UFC. Like, he'd tell you exactly what bar he was going to be in. <laughs> like, he'd be like, listen, that's where we're going to party. And I, I wish boxers were... I think sometimes we, we, we over-egg this thing of you've got to be dedicated your whole life. I'm like, nah, look, For after... one night every four months. Yeah, have a blowout. I say this to all fighters. You know when, like, I hear... I'll be, I'll be talking to someone else. So what are you going to do now? You'll be straight back in the gym on Monday. And I'm like, that's not how the body... That, psychologically and physically, that's not how it works. You just got to shut off, yeah? Go and give your body all those things that you've denied it for ages, right? And then go, right, I've done that now. Let me go back and refocus. Yeah, but the takeaway from it was Reggie Progre, he looks the real deal. I love his ring walk. I love it. He's a character. Um, could he move up? Has he got that Crawford thing where you can see him? You can up? see the size on him. He could go up. Whether he's... I think he'd look small then if he did. Um, up at welterweight he would look small compared to an Errol Spence but because Taylor does. can definitely go up Josh Taylor can I'm just amazed he makes the weight Jesus but, um, it, as I say it's hard to really take a gauge because we kind of know where Relic is or yeah. has been um, but uh, Prograde could be something special in time he's just got that movement I say that upper body movement that he's always out of distance always lovely to watch Welcome back, Andy. How was it? Did, yeah. you, did you clean up the toilet? Pregnant pause. Yeah, I slipped, actually. I fell in it face first. Drowned. Had and a sip. I, I got some in my mouth and I thought, that is a good piss, to yeah, be it fair. Was. It was. So it, was, it, was, it wasn't great, but... 8 out of 10. Definitely a good, solid 8 out of 10. Um, Do we need to talk about... Because there's a couple more shows. Because there was the Robert Easter show, wasn't there? Where he drew with... Francis Bartholomew. Was this the one where they threw about eight punches between them? I haven't seen it, and I'm not going to go. It's their sort. Of, that's their sort of style. Well, that's a good it? advert for it. <laughs> but but so so one of the things I found interesting, like when you start to track these Heyman shows, he's starting to put the IBO belts on. So now they're starting to fight for these IBO belts. Whoa, we got light. I can Whoa. see you. And there light. was light. Let's fuck my eyes up. No, so. You're starting to see on, on Heyman shows the IBO belts becoming a thing. And I'm wondering if this is in response to maybe not having leverage to some of the other governing bodies. So you now start to go, well, there's certain divisions I can legitimize this belt in because I've got the main guys. And if they fight for this belt, then the belt's legitimate because these are the two best in the division. I always thought from day one that they would just have the PBC belt. Like if you've got so many in-house fights and you don't let your lads step outside of the PBC, just have a PBC belt. Now, if that means taking the IBO and essentially just planting that into the PBC, crack on. Fair play. Uh, but I did like it because it also links in with the whole Eubank Jr. thing, doesn't it? Where they, didn't, didn't they fight for an IBO? Him and yeah, DeGale. Yeah, did. So mm. maybe we're starting to see the Joshua's IBO. Joshua's the IBO champion. And he keeps... Yeah. Banging on about it. I've got... He sat on the uh, Graham Norton show, and he I've got four belts, and he and uh, Wilder's got the other one. No, you've got three belts, and Wilder's got the other one. 
So I'm trying to legitimize his belt. So let's see what happens about. with the IBO. It wouldn't surprise me if you start to see the welterweights start boxing for. But now the South African lad's got that belt, hasn't he? Oh, is it Tulani and Benge? Like this kid is. No, I don't. He's on the rise, and like. Yeah, I mean, he's fight. I think he fights out of Europe now, but he looks like he might be a player in the one four seven division. But he's still kind of off the grid a little bit. Yeah, I, boxing at the moment just seems fucking boring as fuck. Have you seen Estrada Rungusai? No, but but I'm happy that I'm happy that that Strisaket, whatever his name is, lost because did, is he signed to Hearn? No idea. I, th- I have a feeling Hearn's got one of those guys. And I was like, I hope he loses because that that will. That was was that last night? No, it's Friday night. on the Hearn show, yeah. which was incredibly empty in LA. Well, you know, Hearn keeps that quiet, doesn't he? I think the only takeaway from that was there's a kid called Austin Williams, and he boxed on the on the LA show. So he signed to the zone, and like I've known the lad since 2016. Like we we communicate regularly via Instagram and stuff. So really happy because he's super talented. He used to smash bits out of people at the US Training Center. But I don't think star-wise they liked him. Hearn's done what Hearn normally does, signed people with that social media buzz. And I remember telling, you know, like the ammo lads, I told the ammo lads, send this kid a pair of gloves and I promise you he will take your brand to another level. And that's like, nah, we're not going to do that. Kid signs to the zone and match him. Now look, I mean, you could have had your gloves all over that shit. And I mean, sometimes you got to trust me. I know, I know talent when I see it. But he is, he's a, he's a Emphasis class, on sometimes. Class kid, savage. He's boxing on the Joshua show. So hopefully they give him some airtime on that. He's boxing on the Joshua show. And you'll see the kid's special. Like, well, no, no, I'm not going to say he's special. He's talented. That's how I want to describe him. And okay. Do we need to talk about Devin Haney signing to the zone? Uh, yeah. We, interesting. Another co-promotional deal. So no one's really signing to Eddie. They're signing to the platform, it would appear. And then Eddie just does the the usual Hearn bluster behind that. But interesting because Devin Haney had always said he'd do his own thing. And all of a sudden you now see Matchroom and DHP, which is Devin Haney Promotions. I don't know what they're going to do with Devin Haney. I don't think he's as good as the internet likes to tell you he is. I think he's talented, but he hasn't shown anything in his fights to date where you're like, he's he's... He's not like a Javante Davis. Javante Davis is laying waste to people and you just go, wow. Why do you have to pronounce his name like that? It annoys me. Who? Javante Davis. Well, how do you want to pronounce it? Javante. Why not not Gavonta then? If you want to, you know. If we're going phonetic. Yeah. Well, there's lots of of names that are G's that you can pronounce J or G. Fine, whatever. But Gary and George being two examples. Fine, I'm happy with that. That's just... But like, why didn't pronounce it Gary Davis? Why is he bothering with Javante <laughs> at all? Why is Javante? Why isn't there a Y at the end of it? Or, Javante, or, or, motherfucker. So, so I'll tell you who did play around with their name once. So do you remember when the they were doing the, the doping investigations in America? Right? So they found Which a guy. Time? <laughs> yeah. So they found a guy who was basically being prescribed steroids, growth hormone, and that shit. And his name was Evan Field. Yeah, I know right? Evan Field. <laughs> so so they traced it back to to Georgia right and then it just turned out everything about this guy name address just pointed to Evander Holyfield's house and like yeah so that was his name in the yep. system just Evan Field and you're like couldn't someone have been more creative <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so so just take the take the der off and take the holy off because obviously we don't God know somewhere out there. There's a der holy who's also <laughs> juiced up his <laughs> nut. <laughs> They never found me. <laughs> but that Estrada Runga site, I will watch, there'll be people out there going, how can you not have watched that? It's like fight of the year, two of the best fighters on the planet. I will watch it at some point. Just if you put it on like Friday night, Saturday morning, like three in the morning, and I kind of forget about it because I've got shit on the Saturday. I've got shit on the Sunday. I, I will watch it at some point. There will be people out there going, how can you review <laughs> 45 minutes of an MTK show, but not that? There will be people thinking that. And I'm with them. I just haven't watched it no, yet. I'm partly with them, but you can't expect people to just wake up, go to shows, come come back, watch it, wake up, try and live a life, go to shows, come back, watch more shit. Like there, there's almost we've we've said this before, sometimes there's almost too much content to to do justice to. But if you put all the really good stuff over in America at three o'clock in the morning, and there's no like Shrishiket and Estrada. There's no logical reason why that's in America, why it couldn't be in England. Do you know what I mean? Like, those two could easily have been fighting in England. We could have put together one of these super fly cards with Cal Yafai. Uh, he doesn't want any of that. No, of course he doesn't. Um, but yeah, so for that reason and that reason alone, I just haven't watched it and I will, but I know we'll get pelters for it. Uh, Enrico Hugler asks, with a similar amount of attendees at the Warren and MTK shows this weekend... 80,000 each. Can, <laughs> can we see MTK rivaling Warren for domestic shows in the next 12 months? It's interesting. MTK have got so many top-class fighters signed to their management books or advisory, depending on what term we're going to use. So you look at the likes of um, Tyson Fury, Carl Frampton, those kind of ones. But they're not on MTK shows. They're on other people's shows will they be able to they haven't shown yet that they've got the ability to put shows on that have meaningful titles like I don't want to see MTK they put on IBF European WBO Intercontinental titles those kind of things I'd like to see what happens if they start bidding for like British title fights because they don't do that don't necessarily like bid for seven area title fights. I don't think they do have them on, like Sir Osgul, Samuel Antwi. But as far as I know, that was just an agreement. I'd like to see them start trying to delve into making domestic, meaningful fights and building that way. So if you started to have English title fights or British title fights on their platform, but they're quite expensive fights to make, um, typically whether they'll be able to cushion that within their, their budgets and still show them for free on the YouTube platform, don't know. But at the moment, I don't think they're really... Unless they started to rein in some of those big names and just bring them in for one-off shows. So Ryan Burnett is on the one they're doing over in Belfast. That's a cracking addition for a free YouTube show uh, as he makes his return from injury. I think it's Belfast. Um, but, you know, domestically, I, I'd want to see more meaningful fights before you thought they were any kind of competition. Oh, they just, look, if, if, if I'm MTK, I'm like, why do I need the, the overhead? I don't need the overhead. I just need my, my small horse shows to build people, build a buzz, and then Hearn and Warren are essentially my, my white label promotion. Right, guys, whack these guys on your cards, which is what kind of happens now, right? Like, who remembers that Belfast show Warren did? And you're like, this doesn't make any sense. Was that the one where Luke Jackson fought Frampton? Or uh, I don't even think it was that. I think it was like a Paddy Barnes one. And you're like, uh, there's all of these Irish no, guys. I actually don't. 
I don't remember it. Yeah, and you're like, there's all these Irish guys on there. I don't think any of these guys are signed to Frank, but it was on Box Nation and stuff. You're like, well, and I, I imagine that's what the deal will be. It'll just be, look, yeah, we'll put them on your show. You carry the overhead of actually delivering the product. We'll just put our fighters on, move them up. We will do all the governing body stuff we have to do. Fair folks. But do watch the Estrada fight. Definitely hands being thrown. Now, how have you watched it in like four minutes? Oh, you know me, man. I know how to, I know how to summarize things quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but no, yeah. I do want to watch it. I, yeah. I, I just needed to address that. that we, I know we'll get grief yeah. for it. Th- th- those sorts of fights I like because stylistically, what I love about those guys, there isn't all of this running around the ring bullshit. It's almost like, mate, you can run as quickly as I can, so fuck it. Let's just stand in the middle, save our energy, and just focus on punching the shit out of each other. So, nah, real high-quality fight from the bits I saw. So yeah, by all means, man, get involved in that. You you just wish Cal Yafai was in this mix. You know, let's get some British guys into that mix. What is Cal Yafai doing with his career? Avoiding Charlie Edwards. <sighs> Riku Heikel asks with a similar amount. Oh, sorry, no, he doesn't. He asked that earlier, but he's now he's asking. What Twice. Do, what what does the piss, Sky Riku. and World Boxing Super Series deal show us about the current relationship between Matchroom and Sky Sports? We talked about this last week, right? Where we said. It's not right. And you just have to see the Adam Smith interviews. And you just need to watch Adam Smith's body language to know it's not right. But I don't think he knows how to fix it because Dazona basically mortgaging tomorrow to make today happen. Sky are like, we don't really want to do that because essentially we're doing this boxing thing because we overpaid for the football. So we've got to claw this shit back from somewhere. And so you've got that tension of, you know, Adam Smith might be saying we might have to pay more for fights. And I'm sure Barney's like, nah, man, look at BT. BT absolutely hate boxing right now. <laughs> so then you go, well, how do you compete with the zone? Unless you say we're gonna wear we're gonna weather the storm until they realize that all they're doing is making fighters and managers rich and they're not doing anything for themselves. Like Al Heyman did the first time round. The World Boxing Super Series it balls up these TV deals horrendously. And whether that stops the momentum of UK boxing and us getting involved in the World Boxing Super Series. Well, and it certainly hampered it, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, last season, from what I'm aware of, basically, as far as I... Uh, allegedly, they gave the whole product to ITV for free and then just recouped some of the money on pay-per-view. So they took X percent of each pay-per-view, which is why you had Jamie Cox, George Groves on pay-per-view, Callum Smith versus Nicky Holzberg, those kind of fights. You can accept Groves-Eubank, you can swallow that, but the ones that shouldn't have been, as far as I know, it was just try and grab some money out of somewhere and then we'll pay, I don't know, 50% to World Boxing Super Series, 50% to ITV. The rest of it you can have for absolutely free. That's kind of what I understand the model was last time around. Now this time around, they fucked it up even further by having no TV platform in the UK because I think they seem to have stuck to this ethos that you either have it all or you have nothing. And so they've not been willing to like separate it into packages to sell off certain bits of it. So nobody's got enough dates to show like every single fight throughout it. Now Sky have picked it up at a semi-final stage. Um, yeah, I think when you see how Hearn kind of went on social media almost selling it as like his product it isn't Hearn let's be clear about it it's nothing to do with Hearn unless he's got that voice within Sky that says we really need to buy that package up 
But you'd suspect the people at Sky said we really need to buy that package up. The great news for us is that if Josh Taylor wins, there's a good chance they might try and get the Josh Taylor final over here. We'll see in time. But just think, just think how much money there must be on how much of an appetite there is in, for boxing for it to sustain to the extent that it does such a fractured and fragmented sport at the moment. There's, there's such a dearth of action and such an appetite amongst the fans that they manage they manage to be about seemingly an endless array of like promotional events and managers and fucking people going over to different countries to like uh, to put on shit shows that nobody wants to see okay, but, here's but my yet question. somehow they're, they're Who, who's still... making money though Andy so well they're, they're making enough money to continue so, 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 so it's ma- sustaining so Matchroom are burning through DAZN's capital Heyman's burning through whatever investors he's managed to get their capital he's some burning... in boxing may not be doing it to make a profit yeah so, so there are all sorts of reasons but if you say who's really making a profit it's definitely not the boxers because there's a lot of guys struggling so and that's probably the biggest tragedy of this all is that there's this buzz and boxing is everywhere. Like you're walking down, you know, down Liverpool Street and there's a boxing gym and a fight studio and there's this and there's that. And there's and AJ on Lucasade bottles. Yeah. There's that there's AJ's Humble. gym BXR where he said he'd do his training camps and he never has done. So there's so they managed to con all those people to pay like a thousand quid a year in the hope that they see Joshua train and he doesn't go there. <laughs> You know what I mean? So all of this stuff happens and the poor boxers, the guys who, who make all of this happen are the guys scratching around and they're still living at home. And You have all of that buzz and then you have last night, Lerone Richards, first time he stepped into the ring in how long? Over 12 months? Easily. And the guy still works at Tesco's as far as I'm aware. Maybe he doesn't, like he certainly was recently. Because he just hasn't got the money out of boxing that he probably deserves based upon last night. Because the opportunities haven't opened up for him. But then you get these second-rate kind of unlicensed guys from wherever, man, like Kent, Essex, whatever. And they're selling tickets to to their, I mean, they're they're brain-dead mates. And they can go, oh, look, I mean, tickets are sold. And they're, they're stealing a living from the sport. No skill, no talent. Just a couple of mates that want to get pissed and do some Charlie at the boxing. Do you know what I mean? And, and it wasn't supposed to start out as like a negative rant on people. <laughs> no, but I, I do because I see I see a lot of these boxers on a regular basis. Like every week, there's someone I'll bump into through boxing, or I'll hear about something, and you're like, "What's the income model that gives boxers what they deserve from all of this money?" And there's a lot of money swilling around that doesn't seem to be. It's like remember the Crystal Maze. Yeah, and at the end of it, you get the gold tickets, right? Yeah, and it's like the boxers are like two inches tall, and everyone else in boxing is like eight foot tall with these big <laughs> ass hands, hands like fucking look and the filter. Yeah, <laughs> they don't get any of the silver ones. No one's asked about them. <laughs> yeah, and so the poor boxers are just there scratching around, and it feels like slavery because the income earned by the by those doing the doing is far smaller than those in control and that makes me feel uncomfortable it's not necessarily the same in football so if you look at football for example Raheem Sterling can earn 200,000 a week the revenue well, model allows that it's a, yeah but exactly that because it's a, it's an, the way it's organized and the way that it for like you wouldn't get <clears throat> blokes saying do you want to come watch my uh, 
me and 15 blokes have a round robin five a side tournament and you can get pissed at the side of them. No thanks. I'm going to go and watch Liverpool versus argue, Chelsea at the, at the pub. The argue, if you're good enough and marketable enough in boxing, you can earn the millions and millions. It's just that very few will ever do it. Now, if you looked at how many people play football from grassroots to professional, and then how many people box from grassroots to professional, those that actually make the millions is probably on a, a similar scale percentage-wise. How many are at the very top of the tree? But, but I think it's, it's that imbalance. So here's an example. I still ask this question. Why the fuck am I paying a manager 25%? You know, why am I paying a manager 25% and the guy that deals with me on a daily basis 10%? That makes me feel uncomfortable because, number one, no one really knows what to expect of a manager. Like, there are a handful of people I've met in the game who have been good managers. And for me, the definition of a manager is this. You look after the economic interests of your boxer. Right? If you can't do that, like, it's not about, I got you this, I got you that fight. Fuck that. I mean, your trainer can do that for you. Sometimes that's why trainers manage. But you're taking 25% and it's like, well, what are you putting back into the pot? If, if he manages the boxer's financial affairs well, then he would deserve that 25%. Well, it's about commercial opportunities. Though. So take other sports. If you're, if you're an agent for, we'll pick someone, Virgil van Dyke. It's tangible. I can get you a boot deal with Adidas, right? I can get you a Hugo Boss deal. I can get you a River Island deal. That's my job. Like, I'm not going to be judged on whether you play for the Netherlands or not. I want to be judged on whether, what's the contract value I bring to your situation? Which is how, if you look at guys at IMG, that's the, that's the thing. Total contract value under management is how they measure their success. Well, what, how do boxing managers measure their success? Well, Got him an area title shot. Fuck does that mean to a guy that's struggling to eat? And and I, I, I see Martin's eyes twitching here. It's not a Steve thing. This is, I'll aim this, this bomb at everybody. All these guys who manage, I'm like, what are you doing for your boxer commercially? Because wherever I go, I go up to York, I go up to Leeds. These guys paying their guys 25%. I'm like, but what's he doing for you? Is he on the phone? saying, listen, Mr. Sponsor, you need this guy. This is how he's going to help but you. Surely the same could be said for trainers who don't train their boxers very well. Yes, but... but or, Albeit there is no, a different no, percentage but, but, but in terms of effort level, at least that shit trainer's there like every day through camp, being shit, but he's grafting. You might have a, you might have a, a manager that grafts, just not very good. But, but, so he's on the phone oh, no, no, all the no, time no. and getting rejected. Well, like the one in extras. <laughs> who was his name but Stephen Merchant's character but all of the things <laughs> yeah well, the um, Flight of the Concords that guy ah uh, the New Zealand fella yeah. Murray and, 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 the re and the reason why this has become prescient actually is Golovkin and Abel Sanchez have split and it was over money you know so Golovkin signs this deal with DAZN I don't know what the numbers were behind Big. that huge numbers Abel's like, I'm on 10%. So Abel's like, cool, Kennedy. We're all eating, quite rightly. Yeah, I've we're, been there through the hard times. Now yeah, the good times come. We're, we're eating together. And then Golovkin's like, <laughs> no, I want to pay you a flat fee. You're not getting a percentage of this. You're going to get a flat fee. And Abel's like, nah, man, you can, I'll do 7.5%, but you can't give me a flat fee after all we've been through. And then Kennedy was like, take it or leave it. And Abel's like, I haven't got a mortgage. I'm, I have my own construction company. I don't need this shit. And just stepped away. 
And and so this is what I mean about things being messed up. Now, okay, great. Your your agent has I mean, he's getting his percentage, but he's advised you to give Abel Sanchez XYZ. Now you've got to get rid of the guy who understands you better than anyone else in boxing. Yeah, but there's a conflict of interest here of you, isn't it? You're talking from a trainer's perspective, aren't you? No. No, it's just logic, right? You've got a trainer who is instrumental in the economic value of the boxer. There's no disputing that. <laughs> That's the guy that, that steers the ship in terms of what you do in the ring. And what you do in the ring is basically your fortune. So he's getting 10%. The guy who's probably replaceable is getting 25%. Most sensible managers would agree with what Terry's saying here. In that the guy who trains you to get into that ring, who ultimately defines your success, is being paid less than the people who don't do that, who guide your career. Um, not all managers take 25%. Let's be clear about it. Not all managers do by any means. Um, so what is the difference? The, so what, the board, the board mandate 25%. But not all take 25%. Yeah. Right, okay. Let's be clear about it. But they can enforce that they right. They can. They absolutely can. And some do. I'm not saying to all do, and I'm not saying all don't. Um... It comes down to the due diligence that a boxer's doing when they're turning over. Find out this kind of information. How many do? Yeah, Not enough. Valid point. And it's why one of the things I take credit for is the rare times I get these phone calls. Terry, who should I go with as a manager? And we'll have a conversation. You know, what are you doing for yourself? Oh, if you're, you're doing all of that for yourself? Do you, what do you need a manager for? Do you know what I mean? Or, or you'll say to guys who are at a certain point in their career, Mate, self-manage so you get that communication. Outsource it to someone who knows what the fuck they're doing. But all, all boxers need a manager for the first three years. You're not allowed to self-manage. Yeah. You've heard stories. I'm not going to say any names. You've heard stories of people that basically like hire somebody to be their manager on paper. So, Andy, you're a, you're a qualified board manager. I've got to fill this form in and send it to the board, say this is the name of my manager... Can I put you down and I'll give you, say, 5% and then I'll just do the job myself? If you're wise enough and clever enough, you can do that. If, if you know what you're doing, you're taking the risk. You're not getting that guidance and management, but you can do that. But some of the most successful boxers in Britain are or have been self-managed. George Groves, Dillian White, Anthony Joshua. People that are self-managed. Like, there's no harm in doing it if you know what you're doing and if you're good at it. Um... So, yeah, like, I, I agree with Terry fundamentally that those people who were there in the gym with them, day in, day out, who are going to finish their career with arms that are fucked, with hands that are fucked, not being able to, to clench their hands properly. We've all met trainers that are, you know, getting on a bit in time that are, like, a bit hunched over and their shoulders really hurting and their forearms are really buggered and they can't hold a pen properly. Yeah. They're the people that are only getting the 10% out of it, and that does feel wrong. But Look, and you can't explain to someone what it's like going home at 10 o'clock at night. And honestly, for about two hours, your arm's just doing that. Yeah. It's just shaking like that. You know, you're there trying to hold a phone and you're just, your arm's just shaking and you can't, you can't for, stop. For those of you that are listening, which is over 99% of people, <laughs> Terry, Terry's holding his arm up as though it's vibrating, basically. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I, I've held pads for like professional lads before, like not to the level you do, because you do it a lot of nights a week I've done it on rare occasions and like there's an art to it there's a technique to it there's a skill to it there's a knowledge to it these people have been through the years of learning that and someone like me who hasn't been through the years and years and years necessarily of learning all of that like it fucking hurts 
And that's why you start to see more and more of these trainers with paddles and with the sticks. Because actually, there's a science behind not getting your hand walloped by really hard men. Yeah. Because over it will, and over and Because over. it will take its toll on your body. And I have great respect for the likes of Terry Stewart, who, you know, if he's been taking 10% off of boxers, and he's doing it for small hall boxers. He's an older man. I don't know how old Terry is, but he's got to be mid-60s, and he's doing it for young lads coming up still to this day. To this day! So that's a contractual obligation it to is, say that. Absolutely. Um, you know, he's not getting what is understood does not mean to be said. the only term in your uh, on your contract for your age posing. <laughs> but he's not making millions of pounds out of doing it with these young lads coming through. He's doing it for the passion, for the love, and because he wants to see these lads achieve something. Your Linus Yadofis, your Brad Pauls, your Sean Robinsons, yeah. all these kind of lads. And I have massive respect for his trainers. And, and, and now look you know, look at guys like Chris Medley. Now you know, I mean Liam's on the shelf for a bit. So now, I mean, Smeds is now having to go back to grafting. And boxing's not going to care about him now, now that he's back doing his tiling business. You do. If you're in South Yorkshire, you need your tiles done, get hold of Chris Smedley, best tiler in South Yorkshire. But he's back grafting now. Boxing doesn't care about him now. It's like, well, we ain't doing nothing for us. So it's like, what, what have you got to show for it? Okay, uh, Dave McGinley asks, what is your preference for the AJ standing opponent and why? I, I want Trevor Bryan. I want Don King back in boxing, giving a speech. <laughs> Fuck this. This is the only thing that can save the AJ show, right? Is Don King, Don King. pushing Eddie Hearn off the dais and just doing the whole speech himself. What was the Don King thing recently about the court case? Where oh, who sued in the start? Uh, is it Imam? Emmanuel Iman. The middleweight. Yeah. Bollocks. But I can't yeah. remember the details behind it. It was basically like, look, I've got this purse for, say, $300,000, of which Don King took like $290,000. Those aren't exact numbers. Don't quote me on it. But it was such a high percentage of what this left. But that's presumably the contract that he signed in the first place. Love Don, man. Like, yeah, Don. Oh, the guy is still going now. Unbelievable. Like, all these people that have been done over the years by Don King, and people aren't learning that you fucking shouldn't. Trust John Don <laughs> Love King. Don it's King. incredible. Man. Um, okay, yeah. So, uh, the question being then, the AJ standard opponent, on a serious note, Terry. Look, well, so the realistic options are... You go back yeah, around and ask if Ortiz fancies it. You hope Al Heyman releases Andy Ruiz or you go to Trevor Bryan. I just don't... Michael s- Hunter. Yeah. I think that'll just fuck people off and go, what, you beat Bacoli and a 95-year-old fucking Peter Ustinov. But who's Ruiz? Is, is it, isn't Peter Ustinov dead? <laughs> I don't know. Who's Ruiz the subject. But yeah, it's, it's nobody out there is a legitimate enough opponent to make that a real fight. That's no, no, the problem. There are. Remember, we discussed this. Every, okay. Everyone's in camp, okay, but yeah. they just don't want to pay the All money. Right, yeah. But I mean, Luis Ortiz, to be fair, did you see the stuff that came out from their team? No. Okay, so he was apparently offered $5 million for this fight. Okay. Um, and his team turned it down. Fair fucks. Okay, brave. And then, like, a week after they turned it down, his manager, I think it was, came out and said, we've kind of fucked this up a bit. Like, we should have taken $5 million, but somebody within the team advised us not to and, like, hold out for more. And then when we asked for more, like, they didn't come back and give us more. And so we kind of turned it down, and we probably shouldn't have. Well, we'll see. Because, 
if you look at the general sentiment, like it's this is trending downwards. Like you're like oh, Andy Ruiz, love Andy Ruiz, great character. The Snickers thing's funny, but you're like four foot eleven. You know, Wide. Trevor. Yeah, <laughs> Trevor Bryan, you got beaten up by Shannon Briggs on a fucking Instagram video. You know, we can't take you seriously. And then like your know, Ortiz, you're 95 years old. Hunter, I don't care, man. You're not even that good a cruiserweight. Never mind heavyweight. You know, <laughs> I mean, you just got lucky against Bacoli. You know what I mean, who fought a shot back? Like, it's when is the fight due to take place? June first, five weeks ish. And so wow. you start getting um, the accusations that there are lots of heavyweights that are out there that are, are in camp already, but their cycle may not fit into June 1st, so they can't take the fight because of the VADA testing that's going to come along with it. Fucking <laughs> Love that. And so there yeah. are plenty of heavyweights out there that could be available to fight. But they're all testing But hot. let's not do it on June the 1st, all right, lads? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to finish my Excel spreadsheet course by then. <laughs> um, okay, uh, Daniel. But, you... but on a side note, Joshua's physique. Have you seen? No, I've not seen him. Have before. you seen what his body looks what, like when Vada? It's you know when you've got like those helium balloons and they've been around for like two days. Yeah, yeah. and it's you knew what it was like before when it was fully inflated. Yeah, and now it's just a bit squidgy. Yeah, that's how Joshua looks now. Now that he's got to submit to Vardy, like those mad pecs and the veins in the arms, just gone. Is that because he's still a few weeks out from fight night, though? Let's play devil's advocate. But why would you inflate coming up to fight night? Wouldn't you, just, wouldn't you be a bit... Wouldn't you... Because he doesn't have to make weight, right? So it's like more sculpted. He doesn't have to make weight, so nah. he should actually just be... Like, all right, AJ, AJ we're going to get you a fight by 246. Well, realistically, he should never have looked the way he looked before, shouldn't he? Unless it just happens to be that way. There's no reason for him to diet like an absolute saint in order to be shredded but, but, to but, fuck. But, no, remember when he fought... Who was it he fought when he was like 18 stone 4, 18 stone 5? He was uh, huge. Was that Takam? Yes, and he was super ripped. Yeah. He looked like like you could have just like, built a comic book around him. So it's not... I mean, like... But you, know, you watched him in the video he did last week, slagging off Miller, and I was like... Oh, that's not impressive at all. He looked a bit like Brazil. He had those Brazil-like pecs. <laughs> Tits. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a good look. Okay, uh, Daniel Dubois versus Joyce. Who wins and why? But you're saying that it might not happen now. I, I, it's I, not happening anytime soon. No, no. Now that Frank's got both of them, come on, man. They, they, that gets iced for a long period. But if it does happen, uh, speaking to Daniel's dad, they fancy the fight. And I think... Dubois got all of those things that Joyce hates. Real dead straight punches for a start. So he doesn't tend to loop his right hand. It comes dead straight. And Joyce has got that really wide guard. So he's just eating those all But day. I'm going to say for now, and I'm not saying this is like my stance on this forever, Dubois is an overrated power puncher. Like he's not, he's not icing people with like big punches early doors. His, his power to me isn't as impressive as he looks. Now, I'm not saying I want to be on the end of his punches. I'm not saying he's never going to be able to turn that into power punching. Sounds just, like that's what you're saying, mate. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that as he moves up through the... Like, he was hitting Lati clean last night. Flush. L Lati, 
Look, that the, ginger beard of his was was taking do you know punches. What? But 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 ginger look at beards are insanely no, but, powerful, mate. Yeah, you, it's the Canelo over. But there. but look at look at Ghanaians <laughs> over the years though. Like it's it, that's the wrong barometer because like you have guys like Clotty and you're like, what are you made of? No, okay, I'm not shooting yeah. that as a barometer. Other punches or other fights that he's had, I'm just that initial like wow factor when he was wiping out your AJ Carters of this world hasn't carried through to this level well, as yet. But. I would expect that because what he now needs to do is be clever. Like you can blast those guys out because you can probably punch through their guard and knock them yeah. out. But now you've got to be clever and you've got to be like, well, how do I draw the hand out so I can come over the top when they're, they're most vulnerable? And yeah. he's not so there what, So what, he's still learning? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm, I've no issue with that either, by yeah, the way. Yeah. He's, a, he's a kid. He's like 20... One, 22 years old. But, but he of has, course he's still learning. He, but he's got the frame. Like when it comes together, he will be a monstrous puncher. I've no doubt yeah. whatsoever. I just don't believe it's there right now. But his jab is savage though. Yeah. He has the most savage jab in the heavyweight division in my eyes. I like, think Joyce I, I beats think, him. If they fought yeah. like next week, I would pick Joyce. The Joyce mm. more of a seasoned boxer at this point? <laughs> Can you call no. him a seasoned boxer when he walks forward in the way he does? I just think he would have the work rate at the moment to wear down Dubois. I think as long as he can walk through the first three rounds and take some punches, and if Adam Booth can somehow bring in some head movement to his technique, whether he can or he can't... That's a big head to move, though. At 32, 33 years old, you're going to be teaching him stuff that he's not done to this yeah. point. I'm not quite sure where the logical link-up is there, but... You know, if he can, if he can get 10% more head movement and that helps him avoid 10% more shots, I'd pick Joyce. Isn't it interesting how people grow beards and their heads get bigger? Just saying. Um, that doesn't actually happen, by the way. Question for the pod. <laughs> rate all four domestic heavyweights. <laughs> rate all four domestic heavyweights. Where does Huey Fury stand, in your opinion? Well, which four? Dave McGinley. Wait, wait, hold on. Which four? Uh, Huey know. Fury, Gorman, Dubois, Joyce. Uh, it's hard. If you told me all of those lot, who's going to win? For me, Joyce, Fury. Huey Fury, Dubois, Gorman. But I'm not saying Fury. that of any confidence. Um, mine's probably Dubois, Joyce. Huey Fury Gorman and I've just rated it on on like you mean who's got the heavier hands Wait, you price on top of that wouldn't you ah oh, comfortably yeah. <laughs> but on, on any day of any given week Gorman might be at the top of that list you know they actually fought I'm not saying Gorman has no chance of coming out on top of those four the fact is we haven't seen any of them aside from Huey Fury the other three we haven't seen tested to their full potential and the thing about Huey Fury is we've never actually seen him get fucked up. No. We've just seen him underperform. Yeah. So it's almost like maybe there's a hidden gear in Huey Fury where all of a sudden he'll just start sitting on shots and just taking people out and we'll be like, oh. Ho, ho. But it's the same as Tyson Fury to an extent. Like Tyson Fury, you feel like there somehow ought to be another gear, which is stupid because actually if there was, he'd have brought it out against Klitschko. He'd have brought it out against Wilder. But when you're watching him, there's always that like, there, there must be another thing. A man that size, <laughs> true, yeah. a man that size, should be able to punch a lot harder. Nah, I will bless you with the power of movement, speed, and like, and just as they get to power, 
there was a power cut and he was like, oh shit. And then it was time for Tyson <laughs> to be ordained on the earth. But you hear stories in the gym of like Tyson Fury is a big puncher. You know, apparently wiped out Joe Joyce in the build up for the Deontay Wilder fight in camp. Apparently. Well, but, but you just haven't seen it in the ring. But, and that's- but Joyce was vulnerable to that. And Fury throws. Joyce was vulnerable to dead straight punches. And that's how he tends to get dropped. And I think. I'd describe Tyson as you, you, you get two guys in heavyweights. You get heavy punches. Fury's a heavy puncher because he's a big man with big ass hands and arms. Joshua's a heavy puncher. And then you get guys like Wilder that detonate. Like those rare people where it's just. And, and they, the punches feel completely different. Like you can get hit by a, a heavy handed guy, and yes, you'll move around, but there's not that intense pain where you're like, fuck. But you'll get hit by someone else who will just go crack. And you're like, what the hell? And there's a massive difference. That's why you see when Wilder hits people, they just go out. Because it's like your brain can't comprehend what's just happened. And you just go, shit. I mean, eject. Bang. And that's you done. Yeah, I it's I I don't know. Is it just a pure natural talent thing or like the elements of that like they always say punches are born not made would there, would there be with them Tyson Fury would there, could it be possible that he punches differently when he fights to when to any other time is there is there any logic in that look because when you're sparring you can take more risks because it's like well I'm here to learn right so he, he might he might actually just hold his feet stay in the middle of the ring and just go, right, I'm just ripping shots in. So can I just ask you from a technical perspective, if you're preparing for a big fight and he's, fight, he's brought Joe Joyce in to have a fight, to, to spar with, is there any restrictions on what Joe Joyce can do in retaliation to Tyson Fury that would allow Fury to therefore be a bit more handy with his hands and knock Joe Joyce down? No, because Joe, Joe won't have that. So sparring, you kind of regulate in the ring, right? There's, there's an unwritten thing that the A-side is normally in control of things. And if you take the piss, you get checked. Like I've seen guys do that. Where, you know, the young prospect gets a bit happy, lands a nice left hook and then goes in. And then the, the, the experienced veteran will just take a step back, rip a right uppercut on the chin and just nod and go, just calm yourself, okay? So Tyson's probably that sort of guy where he'll hurt you and just go, chill. Joe, Joe, Joe... Joe will do that with someone else. So Joe Joyce is in camp now in Surrey and he's got young guys. He's sparring. So young Hamza and young Courtney, he's got in the gym. If they take the piss, Joe will check them. Do you see what I mean? It's like that seniority thing because it's your camp. So I can't have someone taking the piss. That's what I'm getting at. So if there was, if it was a case of Fury just giving him a a spanking, but it's not necessarily what he can bring to a, a competitive well, he fight. Probably, he probably could, but, but if you're there going, well, hold on, I'm at level three and I'm comfortably in control. Level four and five give more risk that I could get counted and knocked out. I don't need to go there yet. But it might turn out, actually, at level three, I'm three rounds down with five to go. I now need to take more risks and move up the gears. That might be the case. Okay. Um, that is all the questions I have for this cool. week. Do we have any other? We've of course covered, we do. Uh, we've covered Alan Price or not? <sighs> Ish. We touched on it. That's been um, that's been announced. I can get behind this. I think it's uh, it's watchable. Why? Well, 
it's like, I mean, I expect, I mean, I assume that Price will just get knocked out because he likes doing that, doesn't he? <laughs> Loves it, mate. Yeah. But, but also, like, Dave could take a pummeling. This might be like Price just going, <laughs> you know, you won't get knocked out, mate. We'll get your head taken off, mate. But doesn't that, the fact that you've said that and the fact that I've said that, doesn't that make it a good fight for a no, start? No, Nobody puts no, people- because these guys are like, where they're at now, that might be the ceiling. So what am I investing in? Yeah, but, but it's, it's an even fight, which we don't get to see I don't that think often. it is even. So they're uh, not at the same level. Well, they've both reached their ceiling. Who wins then? Oh, you've got to let the streets decide now. I, do you what? know what? You I have, you said it's not an even fight. Do you know? No, but I have so little interest in it that I, I don't even want to summon up the energy to tell you who's going to win. Because <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, going to no, summon up completely. Well, no, 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 no. Here's why. Here's, here's exactly why. We've just talked about all those guys where we're like, you guys need to fight each other. Dave Allen's just out here fully Terence Crawforded out, like just floating around trying to find people. Put Dave Allen in with Richard Larty, please. That'll be, yeah, do that. I, I'm just bored of Price. Like, I mean... I'd enjoy I mean, Alan Larty. I'm, I'm all right point, with Price Alan seems to be in like the last chance saloon constantly. The, the problem is with it for me is that it's going to be propping up a pretty poor pay-per-view of like Dillian White versus Rivas. If this is the main, you know, headline of the undercard, then I have a problem with that. Uh, yeah, don't, I think, you know, you, you, know you, you might see Lawrence on there if they can get a world title. I'm sure they'll put Lawrence on there. You know, If they can, fair enough. Yeah, so I, I, look, so I was talking to John Harding Jr. about this, and I was trying to explain my theory and how you do these pay per views. Right, you launch the tickets. If you get that massive spike and you clear up, you're like, we don't really have to invest in the undercard. If it's a slow burner, yeah, you're like, actually, we need to put some more names on because we ain't we're not moving the numbers. Because he was complaining that if the potential fighters on this card. If he, like if he does get called up to fight and he has to sell tickets, he's like, well, most of the people have bought their tickets already. So how am I, you know, how do I monetize That's it? Fair. Why not give us the tickets first and let us make some money? <laughs> but which, then he doesn't know if he's needed or not. Exactly, which is what I said to him. I said, "That's why they don't know who they'll need yet." Yeah. Okay, that takes us to the end of the podcast. Unless you've got, I oh, no, 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 of course it doesn't. It's the Any Other Business section with Terry Jabandama, sir. We'll see you in 25 minutes. Oh, man. So I get a text from Brooke last night. Brooke said the Steve Goodwin show. I, look, I have no details other than it's Florian Mark who fighting. There were four fights on there. I know Nell Massey boxed on there. Ah, she lost, unfortunately, but life. So Brooke texts me and goes, I've had a shit time of it tonight. I was like, and me not knowing what happens, I'm like, we well, should have come to Frank's show. I told you, you know, standard message back and forth. And then I see the screen grab from what she's put on Instagram. Now, I wasn't there. I don't know what happened. And there's been no video footage. So I can't make a judgment. That hasn't stopped you in the past from making judgment. On no, no. Thing. But here, here you have to because there, there are a lot of issues and you've got to try and put it out the right way. And I, because it's a sensitive topic. But I will always back Brooke in the same way I'll always back Martin if he tells... If Martin tells me today, look, some fucker drove into the back of my car so I had to chin him. I'm team Martin Theobald all day. I'm not even going to ask, was it reasonable? I'm like, fuck it. I mean, I trust him. 
Same with you. Same with people I really respect. I trust them. So if she tells me something happened the way it happened, I'm going to believe her. If go go, It's on social media, so I don't want to go into the details of it. But the thing I said at the end of it was, Brooke's one of our... Fo- she's one of our people. And we spoke today, because I was trying to get to the bottom of this, and she's in absolute pieces. I don't know anything else other than to say it was pretty rough. And I think there's general agreement about that. And no one's going to know, are you okay? Considering that she's at every one of those shows, pretty much. So I'm, that disappoints me, because I'm always, you know, I'm a communitarian by nature. So I'm like, come on, guys, man. Let's all sort our things out. If someone says, ah, it kicked off, we've given other promoters shit for fights kicking off here before. I'm okay with that. Shit happens. As long as it gets quelled and dealt with, fine. Don't mind that, man. I'm not going to say it's a Steve Goodwin problem. Fuck that. <laughs> shit happens when people have had a few drinks. But it's the Brooke element, man. Like, we should all stick together. And I'm just like, oh, man. Because we know she's she's a sensitive young lady. She's young. We forget how young Brooke is sometimes. You know, we've probably got 10 years on it. So hopefully, man, someone at Good in Boxing just does the right thing, makes sure she's okay, because she's a big brand advocate of the Goodwin shows and so forth. So it's just important. He's, didn't he stop a fight once because it was Watford v. Luton, a Shinquin fight? Yeah, I don't know whether it was stopped, but I, I know what you're on about. Yeah, it was, like, it was like, we can't have these guys, you know, because they're both self to football crowds. We don't really I want I know what them. you're on about, but I can't yeah. remember the details. So, so Steve understands this. So I'm not, I'm not going to be a guy that says Steve fell asleep on the job, because I don't think that's true. I genuinely just think, you know, that shit happens. I just think it was just an unfortunate incident that got a bit out of hand. Probably not what Steve wanted. Probably not what none of us wanted. I just want to make sure that people realize, man, like Brooke's one of us and you're going to make sure she's okay because she was in bits when I spoke to her. So I just, it's just that aftercare element. Make sure she's all right, man, because she's good people. Yeah, I had a few messages with Brooke back and forth today and shout out to Brooke, um, but all will work out. Because yeah, let's be honest, like, because she was saying, you know, it, it ruffled feathers, but I don't think Brooke intends to ruffle feathers. She's one of those where... She'll look at me and go, Terry, that's your job. Yeah. Your job is to cause havoc. Well, I just want a quiet Terry, life. Terry yeah. Chapandama. Yeah, I know. The meek and mild Terry Chapandama. Nah, listen, man, like, I'm gonna start going to church soon. You guys see a different me. I don't know. Is there someone there that's pissed you off? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're not allowed in church, mate. <laughs> Which yeah. pastor's getting it this week? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, look, well, I haven't really got, I haven't gone to anyone this week. Take, have I? Taking his flamethrower with him. <laughs> wait, wait, no, hold on. I think I've been pretty diplomatic this week. You have, I've enjoyed it. Yeah. I don't enjoy chaos. No, but but you know what happened last week had to happen because let's not talk about it. Yeah, but let's just let's just say questions were never answered. You know what I mean? Like people acting like they're Stevie Wonder. But so it's all uh, good. Earlier on, I said to Martin, "We know how bad passports can be." I think uh, I just want to explain that it was when we were on this stag do that we've spoken about before, um, mate. We took there. We basically there was ten of us. We'd taken one suitcase. And so Martin one and I... One check-in suitcase. One check-in suitcase, sorry, yeah. Well, uh, one, uh, Martin and I, being the, the best man, we took it up to the to the counter. So you got bags of check-in. Yeah, just this one. Sort of wheeled it over there. The pair of us sort of puzzled as exactly how to go about it. It's all different now, aren't they? With like weighing scales and scanners. And so, yeah, so it was just like, okay, let's make sure we get this right because this is the only bag we actually have got. And I anyway, don't want to go into fucking Jamaica. Or yeah, exactly. So we go over there. She's like, right, this is just the one. But yeah, right, put this tag on it and then put it over there on desk on desk 45. Or, right, desk 45, yeah. yeah she'll right. do it, even better. 
Okay, right. And then, uh, anyway, she goes, have you got your identification? Martin hands her his passport, to which she opens it to the photo page, looks at me, looks... <laughs> Looks at the photo. Looks at you. Looks at my passport. Yeah. And then nods. nods. <laughs> and then hands it back going, off you go, lads. Uh, now, I know that she is not a passport controller. I don't know if that, uh, how much rigorous train you have to go through. So but next time, if we go away again, which is probably going to happen at some point in the future, let's yeah. swap passports when it comes to going back through passport control. Because worst case scenario, we go, oh, sorry, Andy, you've got mine. <laughs> like, hand them back. We'll do it again. I love the this, idea that if, if, a, once if a passport check is necessary, well, that, that shows that it isn't, basically. Yeah, if you're giving it that little, you're really phoning your job in. No, because I've been on a rugby tour and a lad just took his brother's passport. He didn't have a passport. He was like, I'm just going to gamble that I can use my brother's passport. Do they look alike? They're, what's the difference between Chris and Johnny? It's about four, there was four years between them. So Johnny was only 19 at this point. Chris was 23. So I know the difference, but I've known them for years, right? He gets away with it. Just look at the picture. Bam. And yet I once went to Costco and I didn't have a card, but my dad did. And it was a really blurry, grainy picture on the card. And I look a bit like my dad. I think that's fair to say, Andy. Yeah, you, you do. I do look, I look kind of enough. A so, little bit older, but yeah. <laughs> so I put a hat on because my dad's got grey hair. So I whacked a hat on and I walked through Costco. On the front door, they asked to see your card. I quickly flashed it. She's like, yeah, go through. When I did my entire shop, got to the till, tried to pay. And the woman was like, that's not you on the card. I said, it is. <laughs> I didn't have much more of an argument than that other than it is and she was like no it's not and I said it is and this argument went on for about five minutes so I just ended up leaving my trolley full of food there and went to I Tesco instead I love the fact that she's such a jobs such worth such a jobs she? worth prick that the woman at Passport Control lets you and I be like interchangeable but the woman at Costco had a real issue with taking money off me your, your, dad, your dad literally goes into Costco and go can I just attach my son to my account? And they go, yeah, and that'll be it. But she's like, got such a problem. It's like, that's not you on the card. I'm not letting you pay us £150 for all of this shopping that you've got in front of me. I remember the first time I went out on the piss, like out in town. I think I was 16, I think. Might have been a little bit younger. And it was one of those scenarios of like, it's a friend of ours, Andy. I won't give his name, but it used to be a, used to be a Man United fan. Now he's a Chelsea fan. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so you know what I'm on about uh-huh. and we go out and we're in this oh, place I know this story yeah, yeah. Um, oh, Winter Gardens in Milton it Keynes. was the loft weren't it yeah the loft yeah. in Milton Keynes we've been out around there was this place Bar 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 a few other places around the Winter Gardens well it's actually called Bar 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 yeah <laughs> um, we've been out a few of these places we're both like smashed because it's the first time we've really gone out and experienced a nightlife night um, Hey, we're going up to this loft and uh, it's this, as the name suggests, it's a nightclub in like the, the roof of um, the Winter Gardens. And so you're going up and I've always looked a little bit older than what I am. So I stroll past this bouncer, <clears throat> first time I've ever done it in a nightclub and he lets me in. I'm like, cool, wicked, I've done this. I stroll up the stairs, turn round, our mate's getting ID'd and our mate's got a real baby face. Like even to this day, he got a fairly baby face. Yeah. What? Lost all of his hair. What? But Hey, eh? to this day, to this day, <laughs> and so this bouncer is like, "Mate, you got any ID?" And he says, "No, I haven't got any, but I was here last week. I had the Prove It card, and I had the long hair on it, but now I've got rid of it." <laughs> the bouncer went, "Yeah, off you go." 
<laughs> let him in. And yet the woman in Costco wouldn't let me fucking buy that. So I've never gone back to Costco since. Same as Cineworld. It's on my blacklist. I, I remember you telling our story that back when, and I went to another bar with him where, and we did the same thing. He was so drunk. And the, and the bloke, and he went to the bouncer. No, no, the private card. Bouncer's like, I don't care. You, I, I'm happy you come in, mate, but you're so drunk. I was like, no, no, no. He's all right. He went, right. No more alcohol for him. He can go and he can drink soft drinks. He's like, yeah, we'll shut up to the bar. Pint of Stella, please. <laughs> Just get the first drink as a soft drink. And then uh, <laughs> he was so hammered in this place that night. Because again, like we're making the most of our first like night out where we're illegally yeah, like, proper. Yeah, yeah. We've been in pubs and that, but this is like a nightclub scenario. And uh, he was smashed, smashing back drinks. And uh, I remember he was on his knees in the toilet with his head in the urinal, like throwing up, uh, like in other men's piss, whilst other men are pissing around him. He's at blowjob uh, height. I basically. bet it wasn't even eight out of ten piss either. <laughs> but he's at blowjob height because he's on his knees <laughs> at a urinal. And someone walked in and went, are you dealing, mate? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, even if he was, why are you buying off him? Like, buy off someone else. That's clearly the good stuff, though. <laughs> yeah. How was it? I was innocent of that sort of stuff. I walked into one of the bars with with him to that bar. I was just talking about that. And one of the lads from my college who was, who'd obviously come back to college, he was like in his 20s. We were like, oh, look, there's, I can't remember what his name was. Steve. The Fonz. Oh, all right, Steve, how's it going, mate? And he went, all right, all right. <laughs> and I was expecting like, have you had a nice night? Straight out of the bag. Do you want some speed? <laughs> and I was like, what? And he went, two quid, enough to rub around your gums. <laughs> what the fuck I was like no I don't want any speed and he was like alright mate and then he walked off see you on Monday <laughs> bizarre uh, right we've gone off that's, that's gotta be it that's some tangent okay yeah uh, we're not gonna be here next week and, no and you won't be here the week after that I don't believe probably not probably not so Terry and I will endeavour to get something on um, uh, boxing think- shit anyway at the moment let's just take a month off <laughs> Well, I've got to double check, actually, that I can do these things. Let's take two months off. Well, let's just do a podcast about going out on the piss. Yeah, so I'm off to Centre Parks next week. (laughs) (laughs) You may well be. Yeah. I think everyone will be happy with that, Terry. Yeah. Especially Michaela. I could see her face light up when you said that you might come along. Don't don't, don't speak shit into existence. Let's do a podcast about something else. A speaker, believer, receiver. Speaker, believer, receiver. Speaker, believer, receiver. People come up with suggestions. We'll we'll do something. I can't say no more than that. Oh, then yeah. Genuinely. Like, because boxing's so wanky at the moment. We'll just do something else. Right, if we were going to have a section on the pod that (laughs) wasn't about boxing, what would you want us to talk about? Potato or corn-based snacks. Yeah, cool. Anything. Could do a top 10, top 10 list of crisps. We could have them in front of us. Obviously, Cheetos would win, so that probably isn't fair. Yeah. I don't know what what's his what's his fight hard, man. Like what, what, what flavor? There's only one flavor of what's it, isn't it? You can you should no, be able to get you should be able to get, get prawn cocktail. And yeah, you, you can get there. smoky barbecue what's it. You used to be able to. Yeah, I'm not sure about it now. I'm glad that hopefully they weren't that prawn stupid to carry was on. So so prawn cocktail. I tell you what, I do miss skips. You could you get, get skips where? Well, you can Tesco. get BP stations as well. They sound the big bags. If I see some next time, I was there today. Again, I'm to all about skips, man. Yeah, if I see any, I'm trying to remember. Yeah. I find with skips is that I, I have a couple. <laughs> Are we still recording, by the way? Yeah, right, and brilliant. I, and when I, then after I've eaten a couple, I'm like, I need some more, but I'm not getting enough in, so I end up scooping. Yeah, I'm them. the same. <laughs> and just shoveling. I'm exactly the same. 
and you're like I need the taste of air after a few anyway <laughs> yeah. just like pile them in like a proper and glutton and he was that bag didn't he like, <laughs> I need another bag of these <laughs> and that was a multi-pack yeah yeah um Anyway, so that genuinely is the end of the pod. Uh, let us know what you want to talk about. Yeah, let's There's this some insight boy. into crisps or on the piss chat. What do you want? If you want boxing, then Top the flat pieces. refuse. Top yeah. 10 pisses. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for listening, as always, and we will see you soon. soon. I'm gonna get it up, I'm gonna get it up, I'm gonna get it up.